Hello from the past, present and future. I'm Scott Hamza and thank you so much for tuning in to the seventh episode of the second series of Time Travel Film Club. A weird, wild and red flower infused playlist of time travel films you might not have seen spanning time, space and definitely quality. Joining me as always in the TTFC, to my right, it's our resident science expert and someone I'd be less than surprised to find out had considered joining a cult for either research or fun. James Donnelly. Uh, joining, Scott. I think you'll find I actually have a plan of how to make my own Starting. cult. Starting. <laughs> I'm dreading what my one is. Oh, no, you should be. You should be. Absolutely. Pleased? Yeah, you should be oh, very okay, pleased. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. uh, to my left, you can hear him there. It is our film find factor. Film find factor. Film <laughs> fact finder. Krypton factor. Extraordinaire. And someone who's tall and handsome enough that I could actually picture him in a row baptizing homeless people. It's Adam Hedges. I've done that. I have seen him touch I've... homeless people. I think in the film that I'm... <laughs> Not intentionally. Yes, gentlemen, we're back for another episode of TTFC. We've passed the midway point of the season. We're over the, the episode six hump. We've all had two bites at the apple. And it's James's turn to nibble at the core with his third offering. James has brought us The Endless. Yes, The Endless. It came out April 2017. It has a runtime of an hour and 50 minutes-ish. Directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Also written by Justin Benson. Also starring as Justin, Justin Benson. And as Aaron, Aaron Moorhead. And... As Anna Callie Hernandez and as Hal Tate Ellington. There's a bunch of other people in it. The main factors here, as you can hear me reading them all out, is big old Justin and Aaron. Directors, writers, stars. I say writers, only one of them, but I'm sure the other one chipped in a bit. Yeah. This is this is the, the vision of, of two men. This is two men's two men's game. Uh, James, please give us a bit of a background. Why did you uh, pick The Endless? Uh, well, first of all, I think it would be much more fun if Aaron had played Justin and Justin had played Aaron. But never mind. In my head, I struggled at the beginning because I feel like one of them looks like an Aaron and one of them looks like a Justin. <laughs> and I don't think it's the right way around. I don't know what it is. So are we saying that this is not a nod to Primer? Their real life name is not a nod to Primer? <laughs> no. Um, my experience with this film is uh, it's probably the film that I think I've watched the most of any of the films on our list. It's definitely the film I've watched the most, <laughs> but I'll explain that later. It's the film you've paid for the most, yeah. that's for sure. fucking right. My experience with this film is actually I was introduced to this film not just as a time travel film, film but just as an interesting film to watch and i was introduced to this film by adam hedges dun, dun, dun. Um, and then i had a lot of internal debate with myself as to whether it is a time travel film but i think we might get to that towards the end i think i think probably i recommended it to you because it's it, it was the cult thing that kind of like we had well, there was a period where we were we were talking about cults i think and i think we'd watched this before me and emma had watched this and i was like james would like this then, cults are good fodder. Cults are like great prime yeah. material. Yeah, I watch a shit out of a, fo a fodder program, a cult program. <laughs> There's a uh, we we spoke about this behind the scenes a little bit. The, one of the distinct issues is that you can't call them cult movies because, especially on an audio only so, cult, uh, cult platform, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't. They can't see my fingers mm. up in the sky. I'll try and just say movies with cults and, and, and we'll go from there. But I think movies sure. with cults, always a, a, at least an interesting time because I don't know what it is like generationally, but like everyone I know seems to be at least like passing interest in cults and fascination Is it, is it just because everyone secretly at heart wants to be in a cult? Well, I mean, your I mean, wife and I are both part of a religion that could be considered a cult. Yeah, sure. Most of our favourite celebrities or famous people like Jared Leto have his own cult. I think it's just a. I mean, we've all Tom lived Cruise through. is part of a cult. I think it's just because yeah. cults are so popular. At the yeah. moment. We've all lived through the Snyder Cut, and I can say that you know, that's, that's, very that's a, at least a couple hundred thousand strong. Yeah, I'd absolutely. I'd never heard of this film. 
Never heard of it. Never. never. Yeah, like I, I've, I've seen. I'd, I'd heard of the name, but I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know like at all. I've heard of the Justin and Justin and Aaron. Have you heard of their later films and I've, stuff? Well, because they, they did Moon Knight. They did six episodes yeah. of. Or no, sorry, they did two. three. Ep- two. Is two, it two episodes. Yeah. Okay, not two six. Episodes, one. They did fun. some of Moon Knight. <laughs> I knew that they were. <laughs> I knew that they were. They did one sixth. Involved. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that they were at least partially involved A in Moon Knight. A whole third of um, Moon Knight. And, uh, and so, like, I uh, I remember, like, uh, uh, young filmmakers hired on to do Moon Knight. And so I was like, oh, who are these guys? And so I at least knew that they'd done some films. and that, But I didn't expect this to just be... This was on Netflix at some point. I remember mm. it being on Netflix. And it's um, uh, compared to a couple of the films we've covered so far, stuff like Slipstream and Time Cop, at least this one was, like, readily accessible. So accessible that Adam bought it three times. Fucking free now, <laughs> is it, though? It was free when it was on Netflix. I say I still pay for Netflix. I suppose that's the it's the extent of my uh, uh, thing of mm. my experience with this film. I didn't know much about it going in, and I was really happy to sort of go in kind of cold and dry mm. with no with no aspersions. Alrighty, before we change into our blue shirts and chinos, where did we watch this? I think we all said we watched it on Amazon. We all rented it on Amazon. I bought it on iTunes uh, uh, just for, mm-hmm. for convenience and mm-hmm. because I was worried about slipping into Adam territory of not having the... the I rented it three hour. fucking times. <laughs> this will be the last mention of it. Um, if our listeners want to get in touch with the Time Travel Film Club, what's the best way they can do that? They can like us on Facebook at Time Travel Film Club. Or they can send us an email timetravelfilmclub at gmail.com And so, without further delay, James, Adam, hope you don't have any plans for the rest of eternity, because this episode is endless. Let's face it, Ethan Hawke isn't doing enough with his life at the moment, so I had a more important question, because this film opens with a Lovecraft quote. I wanted to ask, what's your guys' mileage with H.P. Lovecraft? How much uh, How much tether are you willing to give H.P.? I discovered H.P. Lovecraft because of Fallout 3, actually. Um, there's a there's a place in there called Dunwich, and I was like, oh, this is an interesting name. I'm going to Google some stuff about this. I think I was probably just looking up for some sort of guide because I think there's something interesting that happens, a bit weird. And I went, this is weird. Discovered the Dunwich horror. I have been a now lifelong Lovecraft fan. I do think he suffers a lot from the J.K. Rowling troublesome creator but excellent content kind of person because I'm pretty sure. I was going to say Roald Dahl because they're both dead. J.K. Rowling is still. Well, I was thinking Active. more that he's, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's like a potentially racist and eugenics-y kind of piece yeah, of shit. That's what but I've heard. I love the, I mean, material is just fantastic to read. It's very detached from him. Like Lovecraftian is a brand now. It's like a descriptor as opposed to, there are so many people who don't know that H.P. Lovecraft is like a real guy who wrote real creatures. Oh yeah, I think There's you're right. so many people who think that a lot of his like elder beasts and like the the sort of like mythical behemoth kind of things oh those were either real or are part of some like more substantial mythology or like part of a religion that was was uh disappeared eons ago and it's all like from this guy i i i don't have like much sort of like uh, uh experience with any lovecrafty stuff you always just, i always just remember the term lovecrafty and i always just thought oh yeah man makes big beasts um but i bundled him in kind of with with the other with like all you know, so the, uh, uh houses of parliament lovecraft counter-strike lewis and uh <laughs> juliet romeo romeo tolkien uh, <laughs> uh, uh, all, all three of them <laughs> Uh, well, you've you've got some experience now because this story is a Lovecraft story. I mean, there we'll get into it a bit later, but the this isn't my personal theory. This is something I've seen online, but makes a lot of sense with my own knowledge. Yog Sothoth 
is definitely the monster in this. Like it is definitely a. Oh, I'm so glad that that. Oh, oh, oh it's an actual. I look so. Oh, cool. oh yeah. I yeah, yeah okay. I was like, oh, okay. Put cool. a pin in that. Yeah, I want all. Oh, don't of worry. That. We'll, we'll come to it when so it much of that because the 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 mountain demon in question. Who oh, boy? The entity. Um, yeah. My, like, my, yeah. My only experience with it is I've played a bunch of RPGs that are Lovecraft based. I mean, like, Cthulhu Mythos is just yeah, yeah, yeah. There's loads of like video games based on it as well. well you know what? Very you also interesting though, James. You know what? You also like uh, Adam. Adam loves a film that opens with a quote. When I see a film that opens with you know what? some a, of the best films travel, on our list, time travel, ever. Yeah, yeah. Forty-one and Slipstream. Yeah, both yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Quotes. And so yes. I saw I saw this one open. I was like, oh, James is dipping his toe into Adam territory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really <laughs> was. <laughs> who, who originally recommended it to him? It was me. It was me. We get past the Lovecraft quote, which I have already forgotten. It was relatively inconsequential. I think it was kind. Of abstract, uh, as oh, was it, it, un- it describes the whole film. As well. Oh, fantastic! Good, 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 good luck to them. Uh, we get past the quotes and we open the film proper with Aaron. Do they say Aaron or Aaron in this? I've I also I, I'm going to say Aaron because I, that's just how I say the name. I, I would always have said Aaron, but my dad says Aaron and always makes the joke air on a G string, and so now I cannot think <laughs> Aaron without seeing the name. And, so. and it's it's Aaron in Primer, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, good. So, so we'll, we'll just stick, stick with, with it. Stick yeah, with yeah. it. I mean, no, it's universe, a reference. It's Aaron. Aaron's don't exist here. We open with Aaron, and he receives both a, a text from his brother asking to buy a new car battery, and a mysterious old video cassette in the uh, in the post. I, I felt, by the way, so in tune with this man when he saw a literal text message that said "buy a battery," and then he did everything but buy a battery <laughs> it was he was like he was channeling me it was perfect multiple times as well like that it's not just <laughs> yeah. him seeing it you see him see it yeah so with the old video cassette tape hard to get working visits a garage sale comes back gets it working and so he and his brother justin our two main characters in the film sit down and have a little watch we and the, the main takeaway really is that there is a woman we later find out it's anna we'll come to anna in a bit but it's a woman saying, don't worry if we're not here. The ascension may have happened, but we'll see you when we're back. And soon after we find out, a uh, chat between the brothers, that they are escapees from a, quote, UFO death cult. Oh, and, and there are a lot of UFO death cults yeah. in the world. So this, whether this is based on a real one or not doesn't matter because there are so many that have the exact same vibe as this. Mm-hmm. Like Venn diagram wise, I imagine there's also a lot of UFO cults and just a lot of death cults. And then right in the middle, there's a lot as well of like, oh, no, we take best of both worlds. We're going to kill ourselves, but also aliens. So, I I mean, I was going to ask the two of you, do you have a favorite cult? Yeah. Sex. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just sex sex cults. Yeah, no, Um, no, uh, I like a UFO death cult. Is that that Nixium you're talking about? Yes, it is, yeah. Nixium is like very, mm. as a big Smallville fan, Nixium is very, very interesting to me. I was, you know, after like mm. watching a couple videos and reading a couple things and seeing a couple of bits and pieces about it, I was, it, it became apparent to me that it was less entertaining cult details and more just very sad and very creepy and very just mm. like uh, uh, abusing um, kind of thing. Not that all cults, I'm sure, are not abuse full in a in a myriad of ways but like when i think of like at least like cult stuff that i'm like oh yeah yeah i want to hear about that i want to hear about the people who are like we believe aliens are coming to pick us up we're not going to kill ourselves we're going to do xyz because we think they're coming to beam us up i'm pretty sure there was a simpsons episode structured around that yeah yeah yeah. Uh, i mean there's that if you think about real life examples the most famous one of that is scientology scientology genuinely believes that we are the souls of dead aliens and there are aspects of 
us returning or being mm. potentially rescued by aliens. Um, yeah, and point. you know that cult has been chasing me for years. For years. And they oh refound you, didn't they? Ever Even since though my, you changed the dress. Have they found you since, by the way? Ever, ever since my father gave them my phone number and, and my address one time, they have found me no matter how many phone numbers or addresses I have since. Uh, You've got a name nuts. change even. I know. And they it doesn't matter. They will find me and they write these like handwritten letters that pretend like they know you. Very, very... Very creepy. I also don't like chinos anywhere near as much as they do. So <laughs> I think if you want uh, an interesting cult, like a genuine, you want to read the story. It's not fun. It's quite depressing. Um, Waco is definitely one of yeah, the most Waco interesting. Pretty high. Up there. Just because which one's Waco? That's the one where the Americans, uh, the American government, just massacred them all. Basically, yeah. Um, it ends sort of, rough. S- sort of because they were a threat. No, not really. Like I mean, there are two sides to every coin. From my personal experience of researching and watching and whatever, I think they were sort of a harmless cult. I mean, you can't really say harmless because certainly as harmless it was, can go. Yeah, you know, there cult, was. Yeah. I mean, there was there were children involved, and that was where the Americans thought they'd get involved. But mm. what should have been a peaceful end to it, where everyone just eventually went home and was deprogrammed, the American police force and, and army just massacred them, just Ooh, killed boy. them all. Wow. But and almost certainly well, uh, what set the building are we on fire. For this? Uh, is it? Late 80s? 80s? Yeah, okay. late 80s. Right. So, yes, the brothers were in a cult. The cult brothers. Uh, we see... The <laughs> fact that like their surname's cult. <laughs> the cult brothers. We see the cult brothers uh, struggling to get by financially. They're both they're, they're cleaners. And, they're, and uh, aside from doing their job, they spend most of their time uh, alone and broke. Car, battery, uh, uh, unreplaced. And, uh, uh, you know, cracking meals, that kind of thing. They're not loving life. How old would you say they are at this point? That is a very good question. I think it doesn't help that, like, Justin is balding a bit, which he could be younger than he looks, but because of the balding, looks a bit... He looks about 30, 34-ish. Crucially, I, di- I think more importantly for, for me as well, I didn't, I didn't get too much of an age gap between them. Mm. I, I I felt like they yeah, they're were close siblings, thirty three right? yeah. and thirty one, which you know? is yeah, a, yeah. A, sort of a problem because the whole point is Justin's supposed to have been old enough that he rescued his younger brother, and his younger brother's supposed to be young enough that he doesn't really remember the problems. But there's a few things like that in this where I kind of thought, yeah, it's only ten co- years later. Yeah, so how kind of old would he have been? Yeah, like no. at worst, late teens. Yeah. He says uh, uh, Justin is going to weekly deprogramming, whereas Aaron yeah. isn't. And Justin says to his deprogrammer, like he was too young to remember anything but the good stuff, but I remember all the bad stuff. And as you said, it would just be such a fine line. Granted, it could be also just a, a matter of like how much how much was he involved compared to the other one, but because we'll see later on that the camp and the people at the camp have a picture of Justin and a way of treating Justin that they don't have for Aaron. Yeah. So they might have just seen Justin as, a, as someone to involve in stuff. But again, I'm re- I feel like I'm reading into the movie as opposed to the movie telling you anything up top. Mm. But yeah, it was a bit wonky age wise. We'll, we'll come back to, to, yeah. to that in yeah, terms of the referenced. age of the, of the camp. Yeah, and I mean, we know, we sort of loosely know that they were there for at most in the cult nine years, yeah. like at, at most. We also we, they don't really reveal a lot of this stuff, but it's just worth noting. Yeah, exactly. So, in light of the video they've received from the cult, uh, just telling them, you know, we might be gone soon. Aaron's like, oh, we should definitely go back. We should say goodbye. We should get ourselves some closure. Justin, as the guy attending deprogramming, as the older brother, as the one who instigated their escape, he's ap- not happy to be going back at all. But he agrees because he can see that his younger brother is in a bit of a funk, not loving life to a greater degree than he is. So, all right, fine, we can go back. 24 hours, one day, one night, we can go back. Also, I, I think he's probably doing it because he doesn't want 
his younger brother to get pulled back into it again because he's obviously very susceptible to this sort of like cult stuff. So you know, it, if you it's think a he might go back thing, right? without well. you, then no, I oh, have to yeah. be with him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that whole scene is interspersed with like snippets of of, of television interviews and mm. some newspaper headlines about when they came out. It wasn't just a private event for them. It was a public event when they escaped from the cult. They did interviews mm. talking about what they had seen. Justin did a lot of interviews talking about what they had seen and what had happened at the cult. So like it was a it was a big moment for the cult, for them and for the public, one would think. Mm. So they, they head back. They head back uh, to Camp Arcadia, which is the uh, where all the cultists are staying. On their way... Uh, you know, they're driving down a, a, a desert-ish road. One of my questions up top was going to be, where do you think this is? Or slash, where where do you know where this is? Because I just put it down to like somewhere in the Californian desert. Oh, I was like, it, it's got to be like that sort of like Nevada type area of like California. So yeah. Yeah, anywhere in and around the, Joshua the eastern Tree part area. of the US. Yeah, you know I mean? exactly. Yeah. Well, they there is a rock formation that will be brought up later. Those, I have seen those in real life in America. I saw them in South Dakota. Are we talking about the poles? The yeah, little so sort of totem polish looking yeah. stacks of... Oh, they're a real thing. Are they like a volcanic so something? Or the version that we saw, they're called hoodoos, by the way. They do mention that in this film, which is interesting because, of course, hoodoo is also a religion. Um, uh, an African religion which has been misattributed to voodoo mm. but they're called hoodoos and they're caused by erosion I think they're usually sandstone and it's usually wind erosion that causes them and it basically blasts around the base more than the top which causes them to be sort of stick-like but they usually have a little hat on they like usually look a little like mushroom type. a bit like mushrooms yeah. or umbrellas and the ones we saw were typically about a person sized oh, wow. some of them much larger some I of them see, a little yeah. smaller um, and it was South Dakota they didn't look the same as these they were much wider and they were sandstone but uh, again this either way certainly that sort of area of america that yeah. we were discussing you're, you're right though scott it was filmed in descanso which is in san diego actually so it's like it's sort of southern yeah. california which it looks like southern california you know all of those kind of like sepia toned areas of america look fairly similar and sepia toned is a yeah is that's a, a what this film is yeah totally yeah. So they're making their way through the desert on their way to Camp Arcadia and they stop by one of the, the erosion poles and they also they, they, they have a look at a, a, a memorial, like a little thing that they'd set up. Justin remembers it from when they were kids. Intimates that kind of, it was a long time ago, like as if the, it looks like the kind of thing maybe a 10-year-old, a, a 5-year-old, a 7-year-old, that kind of thing, a young mm. child as opposed to a, a teenager would have set up. I'll, I'll come back to this like memorial area later, but I think it's like worthy of noting just at this point. And then they hop back in the car and they, they make their way to Camp Arcadia. They are greeted the second they get to Camp Arcadia by uh, one of the by the first uh, uh, cultist that we meet. Uh, we've heard Anna's voice, but the first one we see visually is Dave. Smiling Dave. Smiling Smile Dave. Dave. Very well ironed, very bright white shirt. Oh, looking like a Mormon through and through at this point. Oh, yeah. Big time. Arcadia was a, a based on a real place in Greece, which was very basically full of places you could grow food it was a very pastoral scene very very nice and it now just means a utopia so an arcadia oh. is a pastoral utopia so where you can grow your own food and so obviously it's a, a good name for a cult i personally think that utopia doesn't isn't the right word i have actually made up my own word for this mm. which i use when i'm describing uh, what my future vision for the world is which is physnomatopia okay. which is where you follow laws but you follow them in the most natural way possible. So it's not an anarchic society. 
but very much like these guys, they have laws, but it's just to keep nature and pastoral things kind of going well. To keep things ticking along. Yeah, exactly. Okay, very, oh, that's quite interesting. Phys, mm. uh, say it again, phys... Phys-nomatopia. Phys-nomatopia. Spelt P-H-Y-S. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah not, like Not physics. as in phys- fizzle bomber. Not fizzle bomber. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> fizzle bombatopia. No, thank you. Fizzle bombatopia, yeah. Uh-huh. It's funny you mention that kind of like the, the, the variance in the way of managing things. The only like experience I have of anything remotely like this is I went to Copenhagen like when I was at university and there's a I don't know if it's still there I would hope it's still there there's a bit right in the middle of Copenhagen in like prime territory if it was London it would be like St. James's Park kind of thing and it's just this it's not a park but it's a large conurbation like a large green area with walls and gates all around it but you can walk in off the street but in there it's called Christiania and at least when I was there in 2008 there were no laws in there, no laws that applied to the outside world applied inside other than just laws of basic human decency. So don't you're not going to murder anyone or beat anyone sure. up. But pretty much all drugs were legal. And so we went in there. We were a couple of students and we'd heard that there was kind of like an, an Amsterdam-esque element to Copenhagen in this Christiania place that you could go smoke a bit of weed, do a bit of day drinking and just see some 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 weird stuff. So we went happened, you know, nice tourism kind of vibe. And we got there. Five minutes in, I've seen people shooting heroin. Fuck. Ooh, okay. Just, wow. They're just like inner, and it's all just like uh, uh, derelict sheds and huts. And you can walk around. It's like, it's park size, medium, medium-ish park size. Mm. And there are dwellings. There are people cooking. There are people painting. There are people taking f- photographs, much like we see of Camp Arcadia. There are people just hanging out. And almost everyone is, every fifth person had dreadlocks. All white, um, <laughs> all white. Um, but there were there were you know Danish people there, but there were Dutch people there, German people there, French people there. Loads of different you know uh, uh, types of people there, all doing a wide array of stuff. But like the the spectrum ran as far as you can shoot up heroin at one o'clock in the afternoon, and like ten feet away, I'm gonna buy a hot dog. For, and not from and from like a guy who's bought some sausages from outside and is making them on a grill that he's made. So it was like a really interesting place. I've always remembered really? it. I don't know if I would ever go back, but it's it's in terms of like yes, there are cults and like ordered cults where like there's a guy trying to like do a specific thing very nefariously ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, mm. apart from Jesus, basically. Uh, uh, but there are also just like these communes with sets of rules that I'm sure a lot of people from the outside would think are cults and like that kind of stuff. Again, we said it's cults are fascinating, like it never stops being like very, very interesting, but interesting in new ways to me, because when you were talking about physiognomics, James, um, sorry, I've already said it wrong. What was it? No, you, you went far off. Physiognomatopia. Physiognomatopia. Yeah. I want to say it right because I don't. Uh, uh-huh. Physiognomatopia. Okay, like, I, I made it up, so feel free. Yeah, to yeah, no, it no. Uh, it's the kind of thing where like someone did that. In Copenhagen, at one point, they were like, "We've got a piece of land." I don't know the history of it. That's why I wish I, I'd like mm. done my research to find out how did they get that land. But once they had it, they would have had to come up with their own Copenhagenomics, and it's Christiania, you know. So super interesting stuff. So we're in Camp Arcadia. The cult bros are in Camp Arcadia, and the first person we meet outright is Camp Arcadia leader, he lowercase so. L. He doesn't think so. Take us to your leader. He's definitely the he's leader. He's definitely yeah. the leader. There's he's been no, you know, yeah. maybe not a democratic yeah, yeah, yeah. vote, but he's he's the leader. It's it's Hal. Yeah. Hal is a very cult leader name. I don't know why, but Hal is what I would expect a cult leader to be called. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hal the robot uh, or AI, by the That's way. What I'm Mis- yeah. Misunderstood. 
Yeah, he was, he was actually. He was just running guy. an experiment that they got wrong. Yeah. It's true. And we're then introduced to Shane, Anna, Tim the Brewer. I thought that said Tim the Beef. <laughs> <laughs> Tim the Brewer. Uh, and Justin, throughout this entire thing of, of Aaron's just like, oh, it's so nice to see you guys. It's so nice to see you again. Justin is the one sat there perplexed at like, how are these guys so young? They should be in their 40s by now because it's been, I, he doesn't say this, but I'm imagining he's what he's trying to get at is it's been at least a decade since they've seen them. Tim, the only one, by the way, not happy to see them. Like uh, he might just never yeah. be happy, but he was very obviously not thrilled. You're right. I think based on what they've said about leaving them a decade ago, and he definitely, he's looking at them like, these people look too good. Mm. I almost felt like he had a problem that he knew there was something off, but because he remembered there was something off about the cult to start with, he was deliberately trying to fix it in his own head. Mm. They they are dressing them in, you know, older clothes, not older in terms of how old, well, they are dressing them into the actors in terms, they're, they're trying to age them up. Mm. They've done something with Hal's hair. They've put a little couple of grey flecks in yeah, it. He's got a little some, bit yeah. Reed Richards going on where yeah. it's like, okay, I can tell that you as an actor are like definitely sub 35, but I know what you're trying to do here. I just don't know how successful it is when you oppose that with the brothers. When I'm, al- I'm already like, how yeah. old are these brothers? And then like, you all look the same age, basically. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. You all look the same age. And so to tell me like, oh, these people should be, they should look much older now. It's like, t- like time travel or not, I think you should just acknowledge that 15 years has passed for you and them and you all look the same. But I yeah. think the point is they're supposed to have been like young people, kids, teenagers, when they were adopted, but adopted, looked after by them. And that when they were adopted and looked after by them, they looked this age. But because the it, they don't seem young enough as actors. It doesn't quite fit. They almost should have been deliberately younger than yes. uh, yeah, yeah. Aaron and Justin, in which case we would have gone like, oh, now there is an obvious difference. Yeah. It doesn't help as well that the flashbacks to when uh, the brothers were being interviewed having escaped the cult, they're just wearing wigs. Yeah. Uh, and I or know it's not like too. the budget is probably yeah. not up the wazoo I, and it's like an indie flick. And so I'm yeah. not like, I'm not criticizing, but I am just saying that like right now I've chucked age to the side. As a viewer, I'm just like, ah, to hell with it. It doesn't make, I don't need it to make sense, whatever. It's on the side. So uh, cult bros are back. Everyone's happy. They have some food. After the food, Aaron goes, takes a nap. Justin decides to go for a run. And on his run, he spots uh, a couple of the sort of less less than friendly looking mountain residents. Everyone's looking a bit sort of sketchy. Everyone's looking a bit less than welcoming, particularly a very angrily pacing man. He sees a guy just pay, ignores him completely. I think he, he yells hello to him, completely ignores him. That man will come back. But for now, it's evening with Fireside. Hal wants to show Justin his dick back at the cabin. So he trot <laughs> off. It turns out not to be his dick. It turns out to be just some moonshine and maths, but no one's well, we complaining. Don't know. We didn't see the whole yeah, scene. Yeah, exactly. It just it very Look much was like, dick. I've got something back at the cabin that I want to I want to show you, you know, my dick. But yes, no, it is it is moonshine and maths. We see Hal's chalkboard full of equations. He, see, he mentions, uh, you know, you see all these fun equations. Uh, my damn left-brainedness won't let me fix it, but maybe maybe you can solve the, the, the puzzle of what's going on up at Camp Arcadia. Eh, Justin? Slightly interesting thing here about the left brain right brain thing now i think it's sort of been proven that that's mostly nonsense the whole left brain right brain being different really? yeah I, I believe it's it's certainly to the point where they they don't really talk about it as being a real thing anymore and there's a few scientists that definitely would say no it, um, it, i mean it just sounds as someone who knows nothing about it 
it does sound too broad. The the kind of high schoolish understanding that like, oh well, if you're left brained, you're good at art, and if you're right brained, you're good at maths. <laughs> the reality is probably more like if you're left brained, you're right handed, and if you're right brained, you're left handed. But one of the interesting things is that he says he's too left brained, which historically we associate with maths and science. But he's pointing out an equation, which we would assume would be left brained. So, so it you seems, could solve the so equation. So he would be. But so I. I think it, what it really is here is it's a bit of a nod. I think it's a clever nod of he knows for a fact it's not maths he has to solve. And of course, we'll later find out, oh, of course, okay. it's not maths he has to solve. It's something far deeper than that. Yeah. And to be fair, like I've heard mathematicians talk about how even though maths is a very fixed binary black and white thing, you can be creative. You know, it, uh, there are uh, problem solving requires a modicum of creativity from time to time. I mean, you know? Isaac Newton invented a whole new type of maths because the version he had didn't do the job for him. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. There isn't there isn't a shot, is there, of the actual full equation. I just wondered if there was any sort of thing you could... They do zoom in on it. Like, or do they? they? Oh, yeah. We, we do I was just wondering if the there was anything really sort lingers. of that you could pick out of it, or is it just nonsense? Not that I could. I'm sure right. there are people out there that could see something in it. For me, sure. it just looked like a lot of sort of, not nonsense symbols, but math symbols and sums, and sure. nothing that really stood out as a, this is, should be this equation. Cool. Sadly, not, I don't think a time travel diagram in any way shape no. or form it's just him trying to suss out what's going on and oh. we'll kind of come back to that in terms of what this film is as, as you know I, I think it speaks to the fact that the, the diagram we see on a chalkboard is what is going on on the mountain nothing to do with time travel yeah. uh, but kind, we, kind of kind of we do see two other things in the room though that are potentially quite important oh really one of the things it really havers on is there's a Nikola Tesla with what I believe is a Gedanken projector which is a thought projector. So Tesla had oh. the idea of he, oh, wow. could, he could see things. Thoughts. Well, he could see things so clearly in his head. He believed he could create a projector that would be able to show other people. Cool. Now, as someone who essentially cannot see things in their head mm. or very limited, I would never believe that you could project those thoughts so easily. Um, yeah. But it's interesting because that kind of links in with how what we are going to discover as the entity then talks to people because it shows them its visually, thoughts visually yeah. by showing them things. So I thought that was interesting. When you mentioned the projector, there it's is nice. a projector later on in the that film. That literally the does the job. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Um, and then the other interesting thing was there's a map and the map has circles on it that we will later see are the time bubbles that are in the area. There was some really weird, like, I, it was on the internet as a goof when I was looking through it. And it shows, I think there's a globe as well in the corner of the room. So there, there's all these references to maps and points on maps and stuff. But weirdly enough, somebody pointed out online that the globe itself, the continents aren't in the right places for the current way we see the globe. Oh, I didn't Australia see that. Australia and the kind of, like like the asian continent are basically next to each other and they can't like everyone was like oh this must be like a this must be like a real deep cut and i was like no i think they've just got a shit globe from well, somewhere there is maybe like, they do maybe the they've got an room. old map and it's like mm. trying are, to hint at they, they've weird. been doing this weird the like stuff going on oh here. i mean there are weird globes out there because if you look at globes from different eras there are different facts and 
things on it. And I don't just mean missing off New Zealand, which mm. for some reason people do all the time. Mm. I can find out whether a map is up to date right now by seeing if it has South Sudan on it, which like yeah. I'm sure there's probably two more countries that have popped up, three, four, five more countries that have popped up. But the last country I remember popping up is either South Sudan or, or Macedonia changing its name to North Macedonia. There's, there's a good bunch point. of them like, if you, you know, like Persia on old maps isn't called Persia anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a good indicator that there is something sort of time-based going on here that we haven't sort of got yet. But yeah, so there is. There's not a time travel diagram, but there is a time travel map technically yeah. with the with the I like spheres. That a lot. That you nice. Yeah, yeah I like yes, that a lot. I didn't get that. I didn't see that bit. Really, what goes on in this room, other than the 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 maps and the projectors and the the diagram on the wall and a bit of light chat, is that we get Justin saying, you know, we're here. Hal's questioning why are you here. Justin says, well, we're here because of the video you sent us, and Hal has no idea about the video, or at least pre pretends to very well to have no idea about the video. He also, you know, like refutes. Any mention of, of them all killing themselves. He's like, that's not happening here, friend. That's yeah. not what we're doing. We're just having a good time. Good vibes. Definitely not um, a death cult at all. Doesn't refute the UFO for now, but definitely doesn't like yeah, the death no, or the cult. Yeah, doesn't mention that, does he? Yeah. <laughs> and so we switch back to Fireside. Uh, Justin getting quite testy with Shane the Magician. Uh, I personally find that having, having an unnecessary public level of animosity towards magicians is a hilarious character trait that <laughs> if i had the balls i would just start doing myself yeah oh i i think i agree entirely and i would yeah. love to see you aggressively being angry at magicians yeah. in public what you want is people saying listen i've known people who don't like magicians but scott's taken it to a really weird <laughs> level <laughs> i don't know what Reaching a magician has done yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's that he has such a disdain for them as well as yeah. magic <laughs> Uh, there's a that guy does a couple of things. Obviously, there's one interesting thing. He throws the baseball up and it doesn't come down, and we later see why. Um, but one of the things he says is a million hours. You need to do a million hours to become an expert at something. Mm. Now that's a bit Malcolm of a bastardized on cocaine. Yeah, it's a bastardization because ten thousand well, we, hours. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Haven't we? If you had access to 115 years and no one else did, you would just move the bar. You just shift the goalposts and be yeah. like. Fuck you, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. It's actually a million, mate. Because okay. 10,000 hours... Because it took me a million hours. took me... Yeah. 10,000 hours is, is a long time, but I'm doing this maths off the top of my head because I know your 10,000th day is when you're about 33-ish. Yeah. So 10,000 hours, if you did two hours a day... That would be just 15 years worth of study, which isn't that long when you think about it. And you're right. He does say some really interesting things. There's a couple of interesting quotes flying around the fireside. One of which is um, that Dave, who we talked about before, nicer. Uh, what's he done to his shirt when you starch it? He starched shirt Oh, yeah, Dave, definitely yeah. starched. <laughs> starched the fuck out of his shirt. <laughs> Smiley as hell. Yeah. Um, we find out that Dave... Engaged in a little bit of self-trepanation. Yeah, do you... James Donnelly. <laughs> say, do, are you aware of trepanation at all? Oh, yeah, I've, just, just I've, drill a hole in your head to let the pressure out. But that's it. That's as much as I know that there are some people who yeah. drilled holes in their head and I so think some I've also, people, I've also very heard in the past... common medical practice in like... Early Victorian? Oh, 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 oh no, sorry. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean like, still common in Victorian, but. Yeah. I thought it was to, like, let spirits out. Or, like, let. Okay, anyway, right. Go on, please, James. Yeah. Sure. Okay, so. It is a, an old, uh, old, old practice. I mean, we're talking, you know, Egyptian level old. We're talking ancient Chinese old. In fact, I'm going to keep naming cultures because, weirdly, Mesopotamia, Europe, pretty much every culture in the world has at some point delved into trepanation. Uh, and when I say every culture, I do mean even modern America. Um, so trepanation is, again, you say it's the act of drilling a hole. Technically, I think the modern term is trephination with yeah. a P-H-I, because trephine is a, 
a hole that you make with a surgical tool and you still do it to this day if you want to put, say, probes into your head. And it was used for various reasons, including if you had a skull fracture, you don't want a piece of bone stabbing you in the brain. So olden times, people would just remove that piece of bone, bone and leave a little hole. Weirdness came in about <laughs> with <laughs> some people doing it for things like letting spirits in. Mm. And especially... In? Yeah, in. Oh, I thought it was for talking like, to the gods. No, talking to... Well, so there is also, again, with but, the whole you know, removing... But, you know, each to their own. <laughs> well, you've, got, you've got to drill another hole and let it back out after. You can't, <laughs> the you other can't side. stay in there, the other side. <laughs> you might genuinely keep a piece of the skull and wear it around your neck to ward off the bad spirits, but leave the hole to let in the good spirits. You've got to have signposts then, and it's a whole thing. <laughs> of... And of course, remember, this hole in your skull is a hole in the bone. The flesh would heal over. There wouldn't be a hole still visible in your oh, head. Yeah, uh, yeah it's like true. A... You are right to mention that, because oh, I am like... literally picturing someone like whistling as they walk down yeah. the street. Um... <laughs> <laughs> there are reasons to do it now. The main reasons are to put things in or to take things out of your head, and typically cool. you, you fix it afterwards. Mm. Some people do still do it for culty reasons, and some people do think that you can get high from it, but I don't think there has ever been any evidence that you actually get high as a result of this happening. Hal, being a nice uh, camp leader that he is, just like anyone who runs a Butlins, uh, whips out some rope and he says, it's time for Camp Arcadia tradition, it's time for the struggle, a.k.a. Tug of war with something, some force in the darkness. Yeah. Uh, we find out Anna is a uh, camp champion, and so up steps Aaron for a go. He fails the first time round, but makes another attempt with plus three ingenuity and nails it this time. Justin, on the other hand, both fails and suffers uh, uh, for it. That demon tugs that rope right back. And it's Lizzie, in fact, that when Justin needs to get bandaged up, he's bleeding from rope burn. When he needs to get bandaged up, there's a really, really weird moment inside the cabin between yeah, Justin and sexual, Lizzie. Right? Mm. Lizzie's bandaging up Justin and Hal comes in and he's he's smoking some red flower and he's sauntering <laughs> in the doorway and he's leaning and he just looks yeah. a bit loose. And he gives the vibe of, hey, Justin. Just have sex with Lizzie. Yeah, Lizzie just... will have sex with you. And it's very yeah. like, I'm smuggling humans and I've brainwashed yeah. them all. And he's like, I'll, I'll watch. Oh, yeah. That's I, yeah. that, right? It's, yeah. It's the, mm. the red flower, by the way, I, oh, yeah. think, I think that might be loosely based on a, a real drug, potentially. I'm not, I mean, they, they could just be literally putting anything in here. Um, red Angel's Trumpet. It's part of the, <laughs> uh, I mean... The angels trumpets, they're a whole mm -hmm. thing of flowers. I think it's Datura is the name of the like family, right. famously used in entheogenic uh, sh sh shamanic medicines. It gives you kind of delirium rather than hallucinations. So typically you would want to avoid it, but I suppose if Fits they have the culty thing, right? yeah, if they've got a nice a nice sort of mild version of it, and they have a small amount of it, you would potentially find quite a lot of enjoyment now. I just presumed it was like you know how like Mountain Dew comes out with code red. I thought it was just like the red version of <laughs> the weed. red version of weed. <laughs> weed code red. <laughs> And so after that weirdly sexual moment, the cult brothers, they decide they're going to go for a, a little late night stroll. And we see that we see Tim the Brewer in the distance padlock in his shed. And by this point, we've seen all of the all of the camp members. We've met Shane. We've met Anna. We've met Leader Hal. We've also met Smiley Dave, uh, Lizzie. We find out that Lizzie is an escape psychopath, by the way. She, I think she says she she escaped from an asylum or something along those lines. <laughs> I think she says psychiatric facility. Okay. And I don't think they say psychopath. <laughs> okay. I'd like you both to know yeah. i was raised in the 90s when there is no difference between <laughs> psychology psychotherapy psychiatry asylums 
mental houses, not job, not job sheds. <laughs> not and the, job list, sheds. the list goes on. I also don't think she says she escapes. I think she just says she used to wander off and uh, turned up here a few times. Yeah. She looks like she escaped. So we switch to the next morning. Justin goes for another run, healthy boy. Uh, and he spots the angry pacing man that he saw earlier on. Uh, this time the guy's pacing so hard he's left a shoe behind. Mm-hmm. So Justin, helpy helperson, grabs the shoe, follows the trail, tries to give it back to the With man. With a dot of blood on that shoe? I mean, you would. He's pacing hard. He's pacing hard. And we later find out he is pacing a lot. So I'm I'm just assuming... It's almost like like... something sucked him right out of his shoes. Sure, yeah. So Justin, trying to find uh, the shoes owner, arrives at like a small shipping container kind of like a small cabin thing. Just as he does, he hears a big sort of... There's a flicker in the sunlight. And then there's a big spooky gust of wind. The camera's moving around a lot. And he gets a delivery of some Polaroids. Fucking weird. He just picks them up like nothing's fucking... Lady Gaga is just running around invisible, just delivering product to people. I think it's interesting because this this sort of shows that the entity, it can obviously interact with matter because we've seen it potentially stop a bullet. We've seen it tug on tug of war, hold a ball, catch a baseball. But we also see that it passes like right through him without touching him, which I think is interesting and is a very Lovecraftian because in the Lovecraft universe, these creatures are often extra dimensional, fifth dimensional maybe. Uh, uh, Justin bamboozled, doesn't like Polaroids, he just turns around and leaves. As he does, the camera circles round. We see sort of a small campsite just tucked around the corner behind the, the shipping container he saw. We hear some music and, and even more sort of thwomping constantly. It's a constant thwomp, thwomp, thwomp. And that, that's all coming from inside the tent. We don't get to see inside the tent just yet, but what we do see on the outside is a clock resetting every five seconds. Ominous, fine, but we'll leave that. The film leaves that there for mm-hmm. now. It's evening. We are at cult karaoke night. Uh, Justin explains what he saw, what he felt with the Polaroid moment to camp leader Hal and specifically shows him one of the Polaroids. It's a a, a Polaroid of a a boy on the lake. Not a young boy, like a floating type uh... of boy, yeah. The song that they sing at the karaoke night is I think now the fourth time we've had Rising Sun. When he's in the car, he's singing the Rising Sun. I believe even the five second clip of audio that we hear from that little tent is the rising yeah, sun. Yeah, it is. They, they... She sings a version of it and he sings a version of it. I and caught I... like him singing it because I think he sings it the most like as the song is sung. I will tell you I didn't you catch why. it anywhere else in the film. When you say, I'll, I'll, get, I'll let you go out in a second. Yeah, but yeah. when you say as the song is sung, you know that song is like 400 years old. Yeah. Is it? It's a, I had no it's, idea. Yeah, I, I thought it was just some guy from like the 70s. It was like, there and is. So that's the reason. Because it's in public domain, so you don't have to pay licensing oh. fees to have the Rising Sun, which is why it's in fucking everything. Okay. Now it's like almost certainly the reason that Aaron or Aaron knows the song is because of the camp, and he might not even remember it. I I think I couldn't catch it, but I've seen people reference online that the section in the in the tent is a section of that song because the song is old enough that it could be from the era that we'll later discover yeah, the tent is from. I get you. Mm. It's, uh, you've, you've actually just made me realise that like the song is so old and if the song is always being sung at the camp, the camp could be you know however old mm. and that not necessarily all of the camp people have been there for the same length of time. Mm. Uh, I'm starting to think maybe Tim the Brewer was a prospector. He one looks the, like a prospector, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Spoiler maybe, the tent that we're going to see later, I mean, we've seen it once now, we'll see it again later. The character's name that's in that tent is early 1900s man oh well that makes oh. sense <laughs> early 1900s man it's a strange dodge name <laughs> 
So back with uh, Hal and Justin. Justin showing him the, the Polaroid of the boy and says, uh, you know, w- what's going on here? Hal admits, he said, I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you where your answers will be. They will be underneath that boy at the bottom of the lake. You should probably head there. And as Justin sort of looks up to the sky in contemplation, we see two moons in the sky mm. and get mention of a third as well. This is, I think where most people come to the conclusion that the specific Lovecraftian entity, because we know for a fact that Justin is a huge Lovecraft fan, the uh, writer-director Justin as opposed to the character, he is a huge, huge Lovecraft fan and has talked about it multiple times. The version of uh, Lovecraft's kind of monsters that likes circles, which of course we see circles on a map, we see time bubbles as circles, we see the moons as circles. Every time Aaron is upset, Aaron is upset. He looks at his bowl of cereal that's a circle. All their camp symbols are circles. Mm-hmm. Yog Sothoth is a circular being. People see him as a group of circles because, oh, of course, wow, okay. he's extra dimensional. Oh, right. okay. The thing people see of him is a bunch of circles. So is that? Oh, so is th- I guess that's why there's many moons. He, the many moons might be him. Many they might literally might be him. Be him. Literally be him there. He is the many moons. It's just a big old circle demon. Cool. He's many circles. He's a bit like the old version of angels with the many eyes. He's many circles and people perceive him as many different circles. It's funny because I feel like if a demon, like I was walking down the street and a demon popped out from the bushes, if it was like big snarling red blood dripping from it, claws, wings, mm-hmm. I'd run and scream. If a couple circles just like missing no, the Pokemon just hopped out, <laughs> of, a, hopped out of a thing, I'd just probably laugh it. I'd be like, like at least triangles have got points at least you could threaten me what's a circle gonna do mate and so we're done with justin for now we head over back to the other cult bro it's Aaron, and he's smoking some red flower with anna getting a little romantical they go for a wander in the woods and aaron's introduced to the reflective blurry barrier that he gets told and you just mentioned circles a bunch james good timing because he gets told this barrier encircles the whole of camp arcadia the whole not necessarily camp arcadia either but the whole mountain it seems he also mentions to anna uh, we're here because you sent me the video you specifically anna Mm. it was your voice in the video so you know what's up with that and she's like no that wasn't me. We and recorded it, but that wasn't me who sent it. I've I've heard, you know, yeah. we've heard Hal refute it. We've heard Anna refute it. And at this point, like, I caught myself thinking, who sent this? Who sent this tape? I wanted to ask, like, at this point in the film, who did you think? What did you think was going on with the tape? So uh, when I first, my first, first instinct was that it was Hal, because hmm. we kind of get the feeling later in the film that the whole thing is he's trying to solve this equation. And maybe what he thought could solve it would be bringing back the people who'd left but then i started to think well no because we do see that the the entity the demon whatever does seem to be able to produce things to give to people so maybe it was literally the entity that sent it but then she talks about how she did actually record it it wasn't just something that the entity has recorded and sent out which is what the other ones are all like this is definitely something she recorded so now i'm starting to wonder Maybe she just hasn't sent it yet. Maybe it's another loop. Yeah, that's exactly, that's straight where I went to. I was like, oh, this is, she hasn't sent it yet, but now she knows about sending it, so she probably has to. I'm like suspecting, yeah, I'm suspecting timey stuff is going on so that I almost feel like there's, there's, if they listened to the video a bit more, they would have heard their own voices on it because maybe they're in the room when it gets recorded or something crazy It was the way she said, I didn't send it, but I filmed it. I was like, oh, she just hasn't sent it yet. It's got to be time related. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so okay. It was, yeah, it was yeah, the yeah. phrasing yeah, I thought yeah, that yeah. kind of gave it away a little bit. So yeah, that's where I that's where I came. It's from. interesting in this moment as well with this conversation because like this is, in my opinion, at least the closest we get to a convincer chat in the. Film. Oh yeah. She's 
because she has to convince him of the barrier and what's going on. And he's, you know, he's smoking a little red flower. He's a bit more suggestive. He's opening up. And so now is the time Whereas when his brother has said there's creepy stuff going on, he said, no, it's just run of the mill, vanilla, normal people. Now he's at least a li little more open to the suggestion that it might be a little, what's a more rogue flavor of ice cream than vanilla mint? It might be not, Pistachio. we don't want to go too far. Yeah, we don't, yeah. We Rum don't want to go like too deep raisins. into it yet. But maybe he's opening up yeah. to, I'll have some mint chocolate chip, sure. not just run of the mill chalk chip mm. so i do think there is one more convincer chat that comes which is yeah, uh, yeah. which is it's sort of in the next scene so we'll wait for it yeah. but yeah and so next morning the sex siblings are back on the lake <laughs> don't <laughs> slip on that one by the, the way you can't say sex siblings <laughs> nowhere near as many synonyms for cult as i would appreciate in the english language mm. and i feel like given the variety of cults that exist there should be way more synonyms sure so we're back on the lake this time justin he he, he got his you know input from hal he knows he has to get down to those murky depths and get down to those murky depths he does retrieving both a a lockbox and a terrifying glimpse of something down there mm. uh we which we sort of see a little bit big, a like rorschach a, image like a i think it's a drone they've got and they do a big old zoom mm. up and it's uh, yeah exactly rorschach image underneath the lake bed i got flickers of of the phoenix at the end of x-men 2 under the oh, lake yeah. bed when you see the bird oh yeah but it, i did think to myself i was like well the, the it's a mountain demon not a lake demon so i don't know what's yeah. underneath is there also is it cthulhu is it cthulhu now as well yeah. what's going on down here but i was very glad to see them just leave the lake bed if they had been like the answer is in the lake bed the demons down there would have been very dissatisfied because it's a desert movie keep it dry so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned that above drone shot because one of the things i thought when we saw the tape in the very start i thought well how could they have possibly got that shot in the cult They've sent that video to him where mm. she's talking. And then the next shot is one from above, quite high. How could they have got that shot? But of course, we know the reason they got that shot was because they didn't get that shot. Yeah. It was it was the entity. Aaron's an idiot. He's like, oh, no, the cult probably bought a crane. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so Justin has seen the Rorschach test on the lake bed. And he said to hell with this. Justin wants the brothers to leave. And he says, we are leaving. It doesn't matter what Aaron says. They decide to say their goodbyes at dinner that night. But as they are saying their goodbyes, Hal says, come on, man. He says, let me get a little bit culty. And he announces to everyone at dinner that Justin and Aaron found the message TM today. We've had the struggle now. And we've had the ascension, the struggle and the message now. So they found the message today. And the message is how it communicates the the tug of war demon that's back to the but the thing that we were talking about with tesla by the way how it communicates by showing them it very much that tesla yeah. poster and the message in question that uh, that was in the lockbox from the tug of war demon is a video of young justin and young aaron being interviewed about what happened to them at Camp Arcadia following their escape? Their wigs they're wearing in this somehow make them look older. Older? It's I thought just, older. It's just bad, this, isn't it? It's just... Give them both baseball caps. That makes you look younger instantly, I, I appreciate think. they didn't linger on it in any way because no. they probably know it doesn't look very good and yeah. they don't want you to get caught up with it. They could have done with a little bit more Vaseline on that lens, though. <laughs> that is true, honestly. <laughs> And this prompts a little bit of backstory from Hal. Hal's, you know, he thinks the demon is telling them to forgive the brothers. So he says, like, listen, lads, when you were younger, I pulled you unconscious from your mother's burning car. And I brought you to Camp Arcadia and helped raise you and looked after you. Oh, and also nobody's castrated. Nobody here is castrated. And Justin really leaned on castration as a reason yeah, why his brother should never yeah. go back. You know, every time for the last 10 years, his brother has said, shall we just go back for the weekend? I'll have those bollocks. They'll wear them like earrings. <laughs> and, and, and Aaron is shocked. 
he's shocked. He said, "I've you know, he's, he's it's in the subtext. You told everybody they I've, had no balls. I've not looked a man in the crotch this entire time because <laughs> I thought there was nothing down there. Yeah. And it turns out that all of these men have their testicles. Justin, how could you lie to me you like this? All smooth like a Ken doll, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> they have a bit of a ruckus, a bit of a fight. And, and Justin says, you know what, sod this. I'm just going to leave by myself. I don't care. But... The car battery is dead, isn't it? There, there's a moment here that really irritated me because as he approaches the car, he's like, oh, you, you don't know that battery's dead yet, though, do you? He, like, preempts it, almost. He looks he at, he looks the, at the car. He sees the lights have been left on by his brother. So he, he assumes, told his brother, yeah. oh, don't I, leave oh, the I lights that. on. I didn't see the lights were on. He's done it on purpose. He, to be fair, he might have done it on purpose. Yeah, I thought that. And we get a little moment with a rattlesnake. It all adds up to Justin effectively becoming a bit lost. And he ends up finding the angry pacing man. Again, this time darting straight into a cabin. So uh, just Tintin wants to ask for a couple of directions. He wants to find his way. He heads into the cabin. What's he met with? The angry pacing man having hanged himself. Yep. But who loudly bursts into the doorway behind him immediately? It's the, the angry, angry pacing, pacing man. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the angry pacing man, we find out his name is, is Shitty Carl. Shitty Carl is the angry pacing man and he, he sits down. We immediately, we pivot, the camera pivots from the hanged man right 180 to the same man standing in the doorway. We never, the camera never goes back on to the hanged man. It now focuses on and so we just have to understand, like it's up for the audience to understand yeah. the relation between those things mm-hmm. right away. But credit to him, Shitty Carl, he sits down, he lights one up and he gets about explaining shit. He does. Does it sort of sound here, I wasn't, I didn't particularly keep track of it, but doesn't it sound like he sort of told Justin to get out originally? He was the original yeah. person who said yeah, to Justin, oh, do not be here. And that was yeah. why Justin made up the castration stories. Mm. It's why I, I kept having to remind myself that Camp Arcadia and the mountain are two separate things. In that Camp Arcadia is on the mountain, but Camp Arcadia is not everything. And yeah. the, so he's with this guy here who's like, yeah, I... I never, like, you weird cultists round the corner from me. It could be, like, a couple miles away for all we know, oh, yeah. to be fair. We don't but know how like, far he's walked. Yeah, we don't ever seen him walk very far. But It's at least 15 minutes he has to walk. Yeah. So, yeah. So you weirdos round there, I told you when you were younger that that was crap, and you managed to escape, and yet idiots that you are, you've come back all of a sudden. Hmm. He also says that his loop, because this is sort of the second convincer chat here, Yeah. he says that his loop is quite short compared to the others, hmm. but not the shortest one out there. He says his loop or at least loosely references the idea that it's about three hours. So I thought, I wonder how many loops has he done in the 10 years since he last saw Justin? He has done 30,000 loops since he last saw Justin. Very Sisyphean. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Very. Nice reference. Tired old heels. I just feel sad for his his corns and the bunions and the toes because he's just been pacing. I know that the demon hasn't put a gun to his head and said pace for the last hour. Every every time his loop resets, those corns vanish, though. That is true. Ah, yes. But the memory of them doesn't. But the memory of them stays with him. Trope. Time travel heels. Time travel tropes. I like that. That is a good point. We do actually see time travel in this film. Heals all wounds. Heal all wounds, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, um, is it Anton, uh, Mega Time Squad? Uh, uh, or John, whatever his name is, the main character of Mega Time Squad, would get along very well in this film. Yeah. I think he would. I think he really would. So, Shitty Carl explains to us that there are several pods. He calls them pods. Yeah, that's interesting. A, that's a weird thing because we haven't heard like bubbles. Bubbles are usually a thing that's used, right? Or like because they definitely are bubbles. It's, yeah, it's, it's very Palm Springs ish, isn't it? There's like like bubbles of time. Yeah, and we've seen it before, but yeah, pods are a weird one because they seem 
I always think of pods as solid things rather than like... They, I mean, a lot of times in films, they say we're just stuck in the loop as if the loop is a physical when really it's a mechanic. Yeah. Whereas calling it pod is to say that it's a pod that is using the looping mechanic. Which, yeah. So I'm, I'm on board with it. He says several pods. He also calls them prison pods as well, which is... I uh, loved when he called them prisons yeah, because it really references kind of the way the film is going now, which yeah. is that... Something's it's, playing with them. Almost. Yeah, yeah, literally yeah, like there is something that is imprisoning them for its own entertainment. Mm. And he said, and you're right, he mentions entertainment he says it's just for the the, the demon's amusement yeah. which uh, granted he's a uh, not a 100% reliable character in that he has a he holds animosity towards the demon so he's like yeah he's just doing it for his amusement whereas other people might say no that well camp arcadia's residents would say he's doing it for a very good reason a very you know uh, uh, a divine reason let's say you either kill yourself he says or it kills you way worse much worse and i i, I started to think to myself i was like okay is it is there any more to it than that? Like, is it a case of like, no, you either kill yourself and you get to keep looping and ergo keep living or it'll kill you and you'll just be dead. But then it very quickly becomes apparent almost everyone would beg for that option. And it, it seems like, I mean, he talks about here, it'll snatch you out of your shoes, which explains what we saw earlier. Mm-hmm. And I started to wonder here, if his loop's three hours, what if you got stuck in his loop with him at this point? Like, if I was Justin at this point, sat with him as he explains this, I would be running being like, I don't want to be stuck in this tiny three-hour loop. I'm getting out of this one now. Oh, and also when he says it doesn't let him sleep, that really hit something in me where I thought, ooh, 30,000 loops of not sleeping. 10 solid years of not sleeping. And as you said, he mentions we've seen three of these loops thus far. We've seen the five-second one, the three-hour one, and Camp Arcadia's, which he mentions is is about 10 years or so. Mm. Really makes that 10-year one look so attractive, like you're getting the best of both worlds. You get to enjoy a nice 10-year stretch, do so much, make long-term plans and short-term plans and medium-term plans, Mm. and then after 10 years, just get to go again, Whereas, and you get to sleep the whole time. 10 years of good sleep (laughs) as opposed to three hours of pacing up and down, just terrible. Justin also learns from Shitty Carl that if he and Aaron are within the Camp Arcadia boundaries, when that loop resets, they will be trapped there looping with Hal and Co forever. And so that's now our big, that's the big impetus for, for Justin is like, well, can't be, can't be letting that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then Shitty Carl stands up and marches straight past an erosion pole that we hadn't seen on camera to this point. We, we, we glance over it now. He walks straight past an erosion pool and just 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 vanishes, disappears out of thin air as if he's walked into a, a, a portal, a gate, uh, you know, a, a mirage, something like that. But he's mm-hmm. disappeared and then again immediately appears at the doorway, shouting and screaming again, and tells Justin, gives him the reassurance that right now, because you haven't allowed a loop to reset, well, I don't even think he says I, you haven't allowed a loop to reset, but he just says right now you're free, you're both free right now. But if you uh, uh, stay in the Camp Arcadia boundaries, you'll be trapped there. One, one thing I wanted to ask, this might just be a me thing, uh, not the film thing, is that if the rule is if he's in the boundaries of Camp Arcadia when that loop resets, he'll be trapped there. Why is he not trapped when the when Carl's loop resets? So I don't think Carl's loop actually resets. He's not with point. him for three hours, to be fair. No, I, I, think I think it's he just, just walks out of it, doesn't he? And like, I, I wondered whether if he tries to leave his loop, whether it resets... So he can't escape. Which is why he only paces in one direction Mm. every time, because that's the furthest he can go in his loop before he gets reset. And I think when he we see him snatched out of his shoes, I think that was an example of the loop ending, Mm. which what happened, you know, at that point in the middle of the day for whatever reason. And so I just think he hasn't hit a three hour mark. But when he tries to leave his loop the wrong way, I think he enters at the point where he was when he started the loop. 
which seems to be somewhere inside of his cabin. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's the difference between you can wait the three hours out, kill yourself, or wait the three hours out, have the demon kill you, Mm -hmm. or you can just walk past the erosion pole and bring it to an end right now and it will start immediately. And as you said, James Shitty Carl, he just wants to, he wants to kill himself. He wants to, he wants to constantly be bringing this situation to an end and he wants to be doing it rather than the demon doing it for him. And to that end, he wants a gun. So he gives Justin a compass, a very crudely drawn map, which is uh, similar to, I guess, the map that you mentioned from Hal's room, which is just a bunch of circles on the landscape. Again, broke my heart because it's the closest thing we get to a time travel diagram in this film, and it's not. It's a diagram of the time pods, not a diagram of how time is working. Exactly, yeah. yeah. He sends Justin off on his side quest to find nearby gun collector and fellow mountain loot prisoner, Smelly Junkie Chris. It Also, you say side quest. When this was going on, I really thought, Man, this guy must love like the Fallout games and the Skyrim games because this is such a side quest mission. We switch back over to Aaron. It's the next morning. He's strolling around and he gets a Polaroid delivery of his own. Uh, and one is of him looking up into the above, up into the sky, and another Polaroid of a white camper van. The tug of war demon is both watching him and guiding him. He gets a bit more guidance from Hal, who sets Aaron off on his own side quest to find Justin before the third moon. So Aaron heads off on his side quest. He walks past an erosion pole himself. We get a little moment with him and Anna where she can't see him having, they're standing a meter apart, but they are distinctly in different, I'm going to say this tentatively, in different times. Different loops at least, yeah. Yeah, different planes of time. different planes of time. Something something like that. Because yeah, 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 there's nothing to say that the going through the erosion pole gate and going into a time pod is sending you backwards or forwards, but it's just freezing you. And that means that you can't see the normal time happening right past your window. And I think as we see with the bubbles, because there's one later with the caravan that we see where it sort of, again, it just appears out of nowhere. I don't think the hoodoos themselves block you being able to see things. I think it's just wherever they outline another circle, that's where there is this vision issue. And we switch back over to Justin, arriving at Smelly Junkie Chris's cabin. Uh, SJ Chris... (laughs) SJ Chris Chris, uh, has his friend Mike there. Uh, He's helping Chris kick the Class A's. I think this is a reference to their earlier film. Their earliest film is called Resolution. It's these two characters in this same situation. One of them's trying to stop the other one from taking drugs in this cabin. Uh, with, With a whole, like, time bubble... Nope. Well... Well, the end of the film <laughs> is the entity confronting them and yeah. being like, ah, no, you've done this wrong, is, do it again. <laughs> it is described as, this film is described as a sequel to that first film. Oh, that's, that's quite interesting. But develops more. So it's, I think that's an interesting concept that, 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 that these guys aren't the main feature of this film, but it's like a time pod of its own. I don't mind movie. a little backdoor sequel as well. Yeah, it's, I, it's I remember cool. when um, when Split did that. No one knew that Split was going to be a sequel to yeah. uh, what's it called? Un- not Uncharted, bloody hell, Unbeatable. Unbreakable, Unbreakable. Yeah. Uh, 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 and that was like a real nice. Like, oh, yeah. okay, you had this in your back pocket. So yes. Anyway, we are at uh, Smelly Junkie Chris's cabin, and his friend Mike is helping him kick the class A's. They're also trying to escape the loop themselves, and while they're at it, while Justin is there. Mike discovers another message from the tug of war demon. It's a video of Chris and Mike failing to escape the loop. They have no idea whether it's from in a, a horrific previous... manner, by the way, in a horrific manner. And they've no yeah. idea if it's from a previous attempt or a future attempt. It doesn't matter because the demon is mocking them and telling them how futile <laughs> their attempts are, which is uh, particularly depressing. At this point, I got a slight pang of whether I was I was sat there wondering, is this film 
a metaphor for addiction in some part because specifically a lot of the things that Chris says to Justin of like never give in and the mentality of Mike of wanting to persevere and wanting to get out the other side to his wife and the the theme of recurring failures and, and, and Tim, Tim the brewer says to him only do it if you want to do it and the demon itself looming as as the the addiction itself and having control of you and making you just live your life on repeat because Aaron you're wanting addicted. to go back to the camp and Justin Justin's, being like no no yeah. no we, we're here now and this is what we do yeah shitty no, Carl not being able to sleep or dream it really yeah. does come it really is a great metaphor and I didn't yeah. spot it until no. you just said it yeah. well I think that I think that there might be a couple of reads of it I think that depending on you know uh, uh, the life experiences of the viewer they could put a couple of scenarios mm. onto the, the telling of it because there are many things humans wish to stay away from but find themselves trapped into but I think one of the the reasons at least for me and particularly I think it comes about in this scene because Chris is trying to kick class A's so I think this might be possibly a little flag from the creators mm. to say that you know if you want to read this film in this regard you can and I think that like it's, yeah. it's, it's great because there are so many different ways in which you can view it that way and you can start to dig along those lines if you do. For me, I picked it up in that moment, had a little think and put it back down because mm. I wanted this to be more time travel. But I, I think that if you, it, that is some level of rewatch, rewatchability, at least for me. Because yeah. like, I, I didn't follow that at all. But now, now you've said it. I kind of want to watch it. I don't want to watch it again. But I, I kind of, <laughs> but I, I kind of, I know want what you to, mean. Yeah. I mean, I, I, now I know that there might be something else there I could look for. It might be a more interesting, like Imagine fifth watch. Your brothers, you know, helped you get off heroin, and then ten years later, uh, your ex girlfriend posts you some heroin, <laughs> and you've just got it. It's come in the post, and you're like, oh, what should you know we what? do? I might as well. I should go back and I see if she's okay. And, also, imagine if you're um, Paul Junkie Chris, Paul Junkie Chris, and you've managed to get off drugs. And then time travel loops and it's like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm addicted again. <laughs> I had one question for you both. He digs up a hard drive out of the ground. It would not work. Thank you. Moving on. I felt that way no, about all the technology was, was like, in this. Yeah. However, they play the video from the lockbox. That's not working in a million years. I mean, all, all I thought about that was it's it's clearly a cassette tape. So it probably would. I, they're, they're a bit harder they, than a hard They found drive, a lot of like old like evidence tapes that way, that way, I think. Yeah, and like uh, the problem with a but hard, not drive, hard is, drive that's buried in the ground that he had to dig up. The whole point <laughs> is that it's it's tiny, tiny microscopic notches on the hard drive. It's yeah. basically a record player, but yeah. but more advanced. The dust and the dirt, they yeah. can't a lot of hard drives can't survive being transported, yeah. let alone <laughs> well, they can't that, stand being used. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. We switch back over to Aaron briefly. He finds the small tent that we saw earlier with the five second reset on it, but he now does peer inside and he sees a man, uh, James, you described him as early the, 1900s man is what he's called. 1900s man uh, running into a, a, a portal, a gateway past uh, an erosion pole over and over again uh, because he only has five seconds to live. And the one time he decides not to run into the portal because he wants to try and communicate with Aaron, we see him get the entity tug of ward yeah. all over yeah. the inside of the tent, just tugged this way and tugged that way. Do you want to hear an awful bit of maths here? Oh, yeah, go on. Okay, if he's early 1900s, yeah. we've got to assume he's at least, therefore, pre-1933 because otherwise you'd say it was mid-1900s, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think it, it sort of looks like Civil War era America. So, so, so yeah, it looked I to me like um, uh, late, uh, late 1800s, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Early 1900s, I would Whenever say. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is. So yeah, which is, again, pre-1933-ish. pre, pre yeah. so Pre-war. It's what started the First World War. It is literally what started the war. We're talking about a guy who therefore has been trapped in this loop for at least 80 years. Mm -hmm. His loop is five seconds long. Oh, oh my Christ, Christ. Oh my God, this, this is, is going to suck. He does... 
17,000 loops per day. Oh. He has done at least 1.4 million loops. He has not slept. He has not been able to do anything other than sit in a chair and run forward for 1.4 million loops. To avoid, And he's just doing it to avoid the painful death. Yeah. Oh, man. If you talk about being an, an expert for a million hours, this poor bloke yeah. is an expert in getting out of a chair and running. Yeah. And, and you know, because we see him do something different in one of the loops, he has been conscious the whole oh, time oh, and aware oh, of his situation. It, it puts a whole... It, when you think about it in those terms, it really does put a like really unpleasant taste on the whole thing. Oh, yeah. This is a real torture. Tug of War like, Demon is a... He's, he's been a, a piece of shit boy, for a long time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we head back to Smelly Junkie Chris's cabin. Mike gives Justin the gun that he's been seeking for his side quest. Justin leaves. Mike ignites the cabin. We see the loop reset. And just as we do, Justin looks up into the sky and we see two and a half moons. This is also the only time where we see any sort of delay in memories. Everyone else seems to get their memory the second loop resets. Mm. But for some reason, uh, Chris and Mike, they have the same interaction at the start every time, which means I wonder if, I think because Mike arrives just as a loop is starting is what it seems like. I wonder if that means that he has that delay in his memory kind of kicking in when mm. it starts. Do we get a mention of how long their loop is? Because obviously Shitty Carl gives us five seconds, three hours, 10, it's 10 gotta years. It's got to be a while. It, it's the length of whatever the film is. You could go and watch the film Resolution and you'll know exactly how long that loop oh, is. Oh, yeah. Oh, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, if he's trying to help him. What was interesting to me was the second the loop resets, it's not just resetting to them to him chained up and them trying to, and him already helping him quit. No, it resets to everything's fine for Chris. Justin, he's done with his side quest. He walks through another erosion pole and into a new prison pod. He's met by a beautiful mountain lion and a less beautiful white camper van. Aaron arrives quickly soon after, uh, and the cult bros reunite. They approach the camper van. Nobody's home. They leave. You don't want to be stuck in a time loop with a fucking mountain lion, by the way. You you do not. I mean, being mauled Scratchy. to death yeah. repeatedly because that mountain lion will remember that it's still hungry Absolutely. every time. <laughs> and we'll just be like, yeah. well, I'm still hungry. Mauling like, you to death again. And eventually it's going to work out it didn't catch him the first few times. And it'll work out a different way of getting him. Because, <laughs> true. It is yeah. a very pretty, you say, beautiful mountain lion. It's yeah. a very pretty mountain lion. It is gorgeous. Pretty I gorgeous. wonder how it wronged the tug of war demon to be trapped inside a time sure. bubble. I, I did wonder, years. is it trapped? Because we don't, we don't know, do I don't we? know, yeah, I don't know. And the tug of war demon might just be like, oh, it's a lesser being, I'll let it do what it wants. Well, but yeah, exactly. Uh, if, if the brothers have the freedom of movement between pods at the moment, why mm. would he not bless the, the, the mountain lion It's a spin-off such? movie I'd watch. The mountain just, lion. Just the mountain the lion. The endless colon. The endless mountain, mountain lion, lion quest. <laughs> the mountain lion diaries. <laughs> to be fair, there's an interesting concept there, I think. Yeah, of, yeah. Like, imagine if you saw this same film, but all the clues you got, <laughs> yeah. rather than it being a found footage, it was just all the context was from a mountain lion's perspective. Yeah. I want Palm Springs from the goat's perspective. Mm -hmm. so I'm I not, don't think uh, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing up a goat. It turns out, by the way, it wasn't just the mountain lion and Justin and Aaron in this prison pod. The, the demon was there with them the whole time because mm. inside the camper van, we see Ares, God of Tugs. He's not a happy chappy at all. He starts... <laughs> That's playing videos of his discontentment. I didn't even catch what was on the videos other than it just being general oldie <laughs> shitty stuff. Uh, but he's not happy at all because he flings the projector mm. into the sky. And the only the reason I'm mentioning this is because we get one of the most interesting shots of the movie and it's yeah. the entire mountainside. And I paused, I counted. We see at least five bubbles. And those are 
again, if we're thinking about Yogg-Sothoth as a bunch of circles, those are what he is. That is theoretically what the demon is. Yeah. Um, what it's playing on the projector is the exact scene we've just watched. It just plays that scene, including the projector. Oh, it does, doesn't it? So it's yeah. just, it's like a, a loop in, within a loop that it then yeets into the distance. So the second that I see that aerial shot of the five pods on the mountainside, I've now decided, like, this is my, this is the moment when I want to get into, what do you think is the time travel device here? What's causing the time travel? Because interestingly, if, and a uh, great segue into this, James, if Yog Yog Sothoth? Sothoth. If Yog Sothoth is a being comprised of circles, is he the bubbles as opposed to someone making the bubbles? So um, I need to bone up a little bit on my Lovecraft again here, but I believe one of the things that he can do is control time. Like he is outside of time and so is time and so controls time and influences time. Yeah. So I think he is the bubbles, but also... He controls the bubbles. I think he is spatially hard to describe, so he can be it and control it. He is device and also not device. He's device and user. A yes. device and user yes. of device. Okay, yeah. that's a because we categorize yeah. we we catalogue rather the time travel devices. Mm. And if you're going into the such esteemed ranks as milk tub, as mystical crack, as as walnut. Future walnut, Future maybe. walnut. If you're going into that library, you better be damn sure we get the right thing on there. I don't want to just write time bubbles. I don't want to write demons, sure. demons toolbox. So we are putting Yog Sothoth. Yog Sothoth. Yog Sothoth. This is our second time travel device this season that is demon related as well. Third. It's a good... Oh, third. No, third. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you think the spirit of Haru is a demon. He was a little shit at times. Spiritual, for example. Yes. Mystical. Third mystical. Yeah. Interesting. Crap bracelet. Uh, spirit of Haru. It sounds like a ship every time. And uh, and Yog and Yog Sothoth. Y- Yog Sothoth. <laughs> yeah. It's 2.75 moons in the sky as Camp Arcadia congregate and the faction fuckboys continue their hike back to the that's car. That's a good one. I like that's that's a good one. Boys. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that's yeah. the last uh, synonym for cult sure. that I could find. <laughs> that, I also, was ha- that I was happy with. <laughs> you're on a watch list now for typing in synonyms <laughs> for cults. How quickly do the moons appear in this world, by the way? Oh, super I mean, quick. Like, yeah. It is it is definitely a... Well, they're kind of always there, I guess, as well. So it's like, I think that's kind of the point, isn't it? But yeah. they are like sneaking in very quickly <laughs> at this point. Aaron announces his desire to stay at the camp, particularly, you know, he, he, he wants to stay because he's happy and they feed him well and he, he kind of fancies Anna and all this other stuff is going on. That's weird but the, well. the takeaway really is that he views it as an attractive immortality he goes as far as to say this is so fucking depressing he goes as far as to say there's not much difference between being stuck in a time loop and being stuck in a shit life day after day dying takes just a second whereas a shitty life takes very very long i quite uh, like that as like one of those war quotes yeah instead of a live laugh love live laugh love i'd have imagine that. if have uh, that the fizzle bomber woke up to that in his hospital bed after having transformative plastic surgery um <laughs> it's very niles from palm springs yeah it is yeah speaking of great link there scott would you I think 10 years is attractive because I as I said before, 10 years is a good old chunk of time. You could do, you can have short-term goals, medium-term goals and long-term goals. Palm Springs being what a day is just like, yeah, sure. How much can you get done in a day? And yes, you retain your memories. I'm still not hundred percent sure about the retention of memory in this because we don't see, I mean, the camp Arcadia's, they, they do retain their memories after that 10 year stretch. So they could have lived 50, mm. 60, 70 years, 115 years for Shane, the magician. Still not, 
as good at magic as you wish you were, Shane, but you'll get it eventually. Uh, maybe he's like 75 years into the pursuits. <laughs> um, but would you is really interesting because, I mean, every other pod, absolutely not. But the Arcadia pod. Be- beautiful people. Beautiful red, food. Red flower. Red home, flower. Homebrewed beer. Homebrewed beer that's good. Good enough that people went, that's good, which yeah. you know is good if it's a homebrew that's yeah. good. Constant tug of war. Constant tug, tug of war available whenever you want. Whenever and, you want. And just to die a bit every 10 years. I mean, it's pretty instant. And you can as choose well. you how you die as well. Exist- yeah. You really could. That's the thing. If I mean, these guys are obviously a bit culty, so they let the demon kill them. Yeah, you could but try it. Loads you of could, what do we think happens if a Camp Arcadian, not forget our cult bros, if a Camp Arcadian visits another loop? I don't think they can. No, Neither I don't do think they I. can either. I think once you're in, I think whatever you're loop in you're in, you're that's in what boundaries. matters. Yeah. Mm. See, that which does is, suck. Well, which is why Hal is trying to work out the equation, right? Because he's trying to work out how he wants to the solve pair it. of them left. Yeah. He wants like, to... is that the reason? No, but, sorry, not that, sorry. I tell you what, though, you mentioned how they left, and that is something I didn't, I well, never thought of. How did they leave in the first place? They were place? brought in. And they stayed there for less than nine years. Yes. Ah, so they so came they in at the start of okay, a loop, okay. left just before the end of a loop, and then have come back just at the end of a loop. It does mean, though, that Hal left the loop because he rescued them from the car crash. The car crash is outside of the loop. Well, if it crashed in boundaries, that's what I was assuming. It that did crash Jennifer's in the boundaries. Jennifer passed out in boundary and the, the mother's car crashed in boundary so okay. how comes and right. sweeps them up probably killed the boys clear, he probably killed the okay. boy's mother and well, was like i've got two new boys we mm. know it must be in the boundary that the car crashed because the photo hasn't aged so when they go back to the oh, photo okay. they find, yeah, like we yeah, don't yeah. know how far in the boundary is because at the end it sort of seems like it's just on the edge of the boundary well, you know how at the end they smash out of the, effectively what is the bubble don't they, they yes. smash through like yeah the invisible just barrier. in time and it then is Hence his name justin because we get a change from night to day yeah Classic time travel. And I thought, and I might be wrong here, I thought that the little memorial was outside of that. Or is it inside of So that? the way we see it happen at the start is that they, where the crows are and where we see them pass over, crows, is yeah. literally right on the boundary. Okay. And on the way out, the daylight is where we see the little memorial. Sure. But they are past the memorial when they've smashed out. Okay. So right. I think they're looking back at where the memorial is slightly inside of the zone sure and they're thinking it looks fresh because when they've left the zone when they turn around to look at it of course they're looking at it before it's all happened mm, mm. um so I, at least that's my understanding sure, okay. and we don't know how far the camp, camp arcadia bubble expands but on the map that you see on the wall one of the bubbles is cutting off the top left corner and is massive right and i have to assume or i have assumed that that's the camp arcadia bubble Right. And that it must reach right to the edge of the larger bubble. Sure. And that that's why Hal could have gotten right up to the edge to find them, mm. but can't necessarily go to any of the other bubbles in the area. See, It's a lot right. of admin for the tug of war demon to be monitoring yeah. all of these bubbles, but also be like, and I also have one big bubble that they're all within, and I've got to manage that as well. But he is a fifth dimensional being, so I would imagine admin is really getting, a worry for him. He's probably getting well, he's got a lot of time because he is time. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not time at the same time. Yeah, weird. So the boys arrive back at the camp finally, uh, and they can't find any of their core camp cult compadres apart from Shifty Tim the Brewer, who's lo- sim- who very symbolically and intentionally lets them see him unlocking his deadly shedley for their, you know, for them to have a look inside. And what is inside? Oh, it's tapes. It's a little blockbuster in there because there are tapes up the wazoo, tapes everywhere, tons of tapes, all 
from the tug of war demon's point of view what's on those tapes well i mean we see some of them are quite old some right? of them are from the 70s mm-hmm. aren't they mm-hmm. it's a lot of there's a lot coming thick and fast and none of it is coming at you at a decent sort of visual angle for the for the audience you see snippets and bits and pieces and you have to kind of take away little lines and stuff like that and it does happen very quickly it's definitely, uh, definitely according to justin all the answers for the film are in the film. So I, you, I you, would believe so. You yeah. would be able to find them. I would believe so. And again, we've talked about stuff like Primer intentionally obfuscating details to get you to rewatch it and to get you to appreciate something that you have to work for a bit more. And so I think yeah. that's a little bit of what's going on here. Every time you see videos in the past, they very quickly move past them and they don't show you everything you need to see. Mm. You also talk about you're not you weren't sure earlier how old Tim was, whether he was a prospector. Yeah. I had a, a wonder. You know how he's good at beer? And how mm. he makes his own spirit. I wonder if he was a moonshiner. Yeah. If he was a bootlegger back in the I day. It could yeah. absolutely be a moon. And yeah, a bootlegger. That's it, also... It would explain why some of the tapes are so much older. Because maybe some of these people have been there for not just decades. But like in the case of the early 1900s man. Maybe a hundred years plus yeah. some of these mm. people have been there. Um, I, th- I think it's a, a little element of... We talked about the possibility of it in Palm Springs. The movie doesn't have any interest in, mm. in that. But the possibility of, well, surely if this mystical crack exists, uh, even if there was only an earthquake to open up the, the, the access to it every couple hundred years, someone could have got trapped in it a couple hundred years ago and still be in the bubble. We, you know, in, in, in our favourite movie of all time, Time Trap, that happens very much because the, there's pe- there's uh, uh, Native Americans in their cowboys, there's there's military... Roman men, you know, Legion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly, the whole mm-hmm. shebang. So I'm in. Tra- I, I think that element of it is interesting, and I think that early 19th century dude is a is a nice addition to it to kind of just hint. At, yeah, this has been going on for a long time, and the maybe Arca- forever. Yeah, exactly right. Camp Arcadia people found it in. 1996 or something like that, you know? I think there's also an interesting difference in characters here. Earlier on, we've kind of had Hal sort of desperate to keep them in. I think because he thinks they might solve the equation on the board. They might do the thing that the entity's waiting for. Because Hal obviously thinks the entity is waiting for something. The entity wants something to get far enough to go, I'm pleased with this, I'll release you. Which we have no evidence that it will. Mm. Which but is very culty. Very culty. Let me please my yeah, invisible yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, very Christian. Um, so what I wonder is, Tim, if he's potentially been there longer, he's the one, Tim the Brewer, he's the one who's obviously saying to Hal, no, no, we have to let them make their own choice. We can't trick them into staying here. That would mm. be evil, cruel, whatever. So even though at the start, Tim has a kind of look about him that's maybe not untrustworthy, but that's a bit strange. Weirdly, he might be the best and nicest character in the yeah. film for that reason. He's got a little element of the um, the old neighbour who shovels snow in Home Alone that uh, Macaulay Culkin is <laughs> right, afraid of, right. but turns out to be a nice, wise yeah. old man. And Tim is like that. I, I agree very much with what you said, James, about like, Tim has, I, in my read of this, Tim's been there long enough that he knows they've got, everyone has to consent to this. And if they don't, it doesn't turn out well for them. And you would know that, Hal, if you'd been here as long as I have, because you've been here since 85. I mean, Hal's got, Hal's got like a, his, 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 his appearance reeks of like 70s for me, even yeah. though like they don't objectively say that. Um, so I get the feeling that, yeah, it's just slow additions over time. And some of them work, some of them don't, some of them take, some of them don't. But Hal, has been kind of kidnapping people into it because he's a bit more forceful with his intent. And not letting you know it's time travel and not letting you know there's loops. 
And so after seeing uh, what's on the tapes, after getting confirmation that, you know, this has been happening for a long time, they see tapes stretching way back into the past and realise that like, oh, they have actually been dying and coming back. The brothers, especially Aaron, runs to the fireside, but it is too late. Three moons in the sky, baby. Time to die. The Camp Arcadia cultists are gone. They've been they've been killed slash uh, at this point mashed I was like, to pieces or something mashed to pieces or i expected them all to off themselves i expected just bodies in a circle that's that what were i was thinking slowly dying of cyanide or something like that almonds in the air baby but nothing nothing <laughs> so much we do it, they they go down the route of shitty carls sucked out of your, your, yeah. your shoes kind of situation fine they're all gone they vote they're off to begin their cycle anew justin tells aaron that listen man this 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 shit is crazy but if you do want to stay I will respect your intention. And that was, to be honest, that was all Aaron really needed. A little R-E-S-T-E-C-P. And he comfortably <laughs> announces that it's time. That is a Ali G in the, the house Ali reference. G. Yeah. yeah, Ali but G. I, wow. I, I, I really, <laughs> only Deep like cut. people that are exactly our age we'll from remember. this country will know. But <laughs> it's worth it. Um, and he comfortably, Aaron, Stekpa. announces to his brother that thank you for the Restekpa. Uh, uh, that's all I wanted. I didn't actually need to stay here. Uh, let's let's get out of here. Let's yeah. actually leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shitty, by the way, to be like, oh, I was always going to leave. I just wanted you to stay. So yeah, you know, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> petty. Very younger um, brother. There is uh, uh, there's one demon in this film. Two brothers, three moons, five time loop bubbles. Is there a four of anything? Ooh, that's a good point. One demon. Two brothers. Three. Imagine this is the trailer, but it's done in the mid-90s. By... I'd love it to be something like they get offered beer four times, because that definitely happens, and I bet it's close. One demon, two brothers, three moons, four pints, five time loops. <laughs> All family fun. While we search for a four something, uh, uh, the boys are trying to escape, but it just ain't that easy, because guess who's racing to tug you back into its prison pit? It is the demon himself uh, running to their car, dead battery and all. The boys begin to push start the motor. They swap positions eventually and push start the motor. They do. They speed into the reflective barrier. Just in the nick of time, we get a little dramatic pause. Justin and Aaron burst through the other side, back into the real world and back into a real relationship. The movie is almost completely done, but we do get a final shot of leader Hal. Creepy Dave, uh, 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 starched Creepy Dave, Dave. <laughs> leader Hal, starchy Dave, red flower Anna, Shane the magician. Lizzie, the the crazy artist, and Shifty Tim, the brewer, as they accept that the MLM Mandem's escape has... (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst one. They accept the MLM Mandem's escape and turn back into Camp Arcadia. Very dramatic final, like, resolution. Like, the the explosions, the destruction. Very much a wipe the slate clean. We've only ever seen one of the loop, like, close... Well, two of the loops close. One of them was at a burning building that just suddenly was fine. Mm. And the other was with a man running and then just instantly reappearing in his chair. This one is a lot more dramatic. Very mm. much a, it felt like, almost temper tantrum is the only way I can yeah. describe it. Lots I'm of fire, Lots this. of firework yeah. and whiz-bang, yeah, for sure. It's the most in the movie that you feel like there is a physical presence to the demon as opposed to the transient, invisible cloud. You feel like there is genuinely something chasing them as opposed to just a bubble of time or, or a, a, an impending seal or a forever moment chasing them. But it feels like there is a physical presence that's coming for them to, you know, because it's not happy that Aaron beat it at tug-of-war, surely. Uh, so, yeah, a big dramatic final moment 
moment they that that visual of them smashing through the barrier and that little pregnant pause it's all very nice that i i got like and i don't know because this is just i look for it in everything now that moment where there's that brief pause and then the car appears that's our back to the future fucking pull oh yeah it? i guess it is yeah, that, yeah they always yeah. do that moment where you see nothing and then there's a bang and the door i'm so appears. saturated in that that i didn't even catch it but you i know right. yeah, yeah i know yeah, yeah. yeah i'm just i'm always watching for them and so that's the endless gentlemen uh, uh it had what, an end uh, it, it did indeed <laughs> one hour 50 minutes uh the endless by the way the endless are the camp arcadia avengers that yep. we see right at yeah. the end and i think avengers. i think they did debate when they were writing the film making it have an ending where they didn't escape but mm. like they i mean i think this is a better ending i can see i can see the film being ripe for alternative endings and for especially like when we know three the universe contains at least one if not potentially t- for three other films because i believe Spring is one of their earlier films, yep. and then uh, Synchronic, which I've not seen yet but should, is that, uh, and that comes film. after. Well, this, so, it? so yes. it's Resolution, this Synchronic, and then they had a weird thing in the middle that's not quite a film, and then Spring. Spring's the latest one. Spring looked good. I haven't. I mean to keep checking oh, that one out. To be fair, Synchronic. I, I don't know anything about it other than the fact that it is on Netflix and yeah. has st- Jamie Dornan and Anthony Mackie. Yeah, in big it, names. Yeah, this yeah, film yeah. has no one in it that I've ever seen before because it's mm. indie vibe. So they're obviously on the upward trajectory. Yeah. Let's get into it as a time travel movie. We've gone, you know, through all of the plot and all the ups and downs. We spoke about the 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 time pod time bubble element of this and the fact that there are there are multiple time bubbles sprinkled all around a mountain by the tug of war demon comparatively against films that we've watched before i think that for me anyway straight away i start thinking of and these are films we've mentioned palm springs arq time loop films effectively even a day to some extent we mentioned the spirit of haru and it's it's ironic that you know these are both loop e films uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, th- this film is just culty loops. It's just it sounds like it sounds like a fun cereal. Culty mm. loops. You could put the demon on the cul- box as a mascot yeah. as well. Uh-huh. So wash it down with some red flour. So this is culty loops, and you know you can have like sad loops, and you can have fun loops, and and uh, just dif- different flavors of loops. But mm. I I I found myself as a time travel film while I was watching it, and and definitely while it ended, the the big positive for me is that it does something that I haven't seen before, that the Mm -hmm. club hasn't seen before, for sure, in terms of, yes, these are five separate time loops with varying degrees of uh, 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 length. Yeah. And with a firmly established reason for them ending and looping, Mm -hmm. ending and looping back, that every single loop adheres to and every single person understands and that never changes. It's right there and you never sit down and question why why does the loop have to end or why is it coming or how, why is it coming to an end in this regard? It's quite cut and dry, quite clean. And so I, I straight off the bat, that's what I wanted to get out there because I think that there are, I definitely have some, some cons in my list, but I mm. wanted to come out there with, right up top with a big pro that for me, Palm Springs is one time loop, one bubble, you're in it, you're experiencing it. Same for ARQ and a day while not being a fixed location is a one time loop that is happening to multiple characters. Whereas this is in multiple time loops of varying degree, under centralized control as well, which yeah, is that's a, an, yeah. an interesting element. Now, I'm not going to lie. I knew when I brought this film into the mix that there could potentially be some controversy because I'm not 100% sure it should class as a time travel film. And my reasoning is the characters, our main characters, the people we are following, the reason we're watching this film, the protagonists never time travel. 
Agreed. Yeah, very 100%. much. I would never call this a time travel film because that travel words reeks yeah, so when you they use don't, it. No, they don't. They don't travel. They just go into various suspended situations there are and you know we're 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 running over uh, uh, lines that we've said before many times time loop films always have their own sort of subcategory yeah time kind travel of their films own thing, because yeah. there's not technically travel happening it's stasis it's the antithesis of time travel it's time you know can just rolling and rolling around on top of itself so i understand that element of it i i but at least in those films the characters the, the characters main characters are yeah, in, yeah I we witness yeah. the time loop for everybody whereas in this it doesn't happen. It's the same kind of logical argument about why Terminator is not a time travel film mm. because the main character doesn't time travel. Just something else in it has come from the future. And so even though I've brought it to the time travel film club, I sort of brought it as almost a red herring because I want to know, do you guys think this class is as time travel or not? I, I, I did see that on Amazon it is advertised as a horror and I have big problems with that because i don't it's not as it's not as simple and silly as oh well it's not scary so it's not horror but i don't think that it even wants to be scary i think it at points wants to be a little bit ominous or a little bit creepy and yes there's some some gory deaths but you know you could you could attribute those to an action film as much as you can attribute those to horror yeah it, it feels sort of halfway between an m night Shyamalan and, yeah and halfway between an a24 film Mm. And it ends up in that this sort of weird zone in the middle. But again, I, it doesn't quite class as time travel. I feel like, as well, Lovecraftian horror is a very separate subject. Specific vibe, yeah. Very yeah. specific. And that is and what, that is what you is. That is what you're watching. This is a Lovecraftian yep. fantasy drama yeah. with horror and ominous undertones yeah and a time I, vibe and a, and a little whoa that, that's the, that's a, well i feel I just, like almost you've got the 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 thing that's going on here is a you've got you know the brothers and the cult what's the what's the what's behind that behind that is a mountain demon and then what's behind that is he's using time bubbles as his tool yeah but it's behind two things there's already two subjects that this film is far more cares far more about is the the cult element of it and then the uh uh the demon element of it and the slightly magical element of it and then i could you know if i wanted to i could argue that there's even after that there's the metaphor the the relationship between the brothers the metaphor mm. for having agency in your life the possible drug uh, the possible yeah, drug yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. addiction kind of addiction element of it yeah. and then finally after you get through all that kind of stuff you could then sit back and say like and yeah that the the, the the time loops but like the time loops are there just for those other three things to exist. So I, I don't, I would mm. never tell someone this was a time travel film and, and no one has ever recommended it to me as a time travel film. They'd be bang on if they were recommending it to me as this is kind of like a, a weird, creepy cult film or it's like a little bit mystery-ish. M. Night Shyamalan is a, is a fantastic pull, I think, because yeah. again, how do you categorise a film like Old, which is not scary, so you don't put it in horror, but it's also just a little bit I, weird. I would class it as unnerving. I always think Shyamalan's films are unnerving. And that is how I feel about this. The whole thing unnerved me as a concept, but I think you're bang on. I don't think it's... The monster is using time as its tool to torture and to to kind of fuck up people's existence in this film basically and it could be it could be 50 other things absolutely you know it and, it, and, and not it to could the be it could be genuine pods that it keeps them in yes exactly. Do you know what i mean like it well, doesn't have to be that's why one of the reasons i think they call it a pod at one point is because they do feel like prisons rather than 
time bubbles. It, it feels like a zoo almost yeah. of the people it wants to watch be entertaining. Yeah, for. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And mm. like whether yeah, exa- whether you want to take it to the the realms of it's for the demons' amusement, or if you could you could take it in the, the into the realms of it's for sustenance, or it's something religious and it's or, a or sacrificial. It's hell or yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, you yeah. could do a lot of different things with it. Yeah, I think that the time bubbles are a great tool that is used to tell a story of two brothers having escaped a cult with some very ominous things going on and about the relationship between them and all that other stuff. But I think that the, the time, I can't even say the word time travel because no, but the time loops, the little, the time, but the time is, is a, is a tool that is used well and used in a novel way. And I would have loved, and I would have expected to be honest in a one hour 50 movie, I would have expected for a time travel film more of that stuff because it's interesting and I want more of it. Yeah. I care less about the demon can see me from above. I care less about the, po- for time travel purposes anyway, I care less about the demon can see me from above and Polaroids and old moonshine and, and all this stuff. And I care much more about like, okay, so you know there are five bubbles. Why don't you go to the top of the mountain, climb the mountain and look down and see if you can see the bigger bubble or try and commune with the with mm. the monster or something along those lines. But, you know, I'm asking for things that the movie isn't interested interested in exclusively giving and, to me because it has to just entertain people and also the protagonists aren't interested in how it works either really are they no, no they're not that's the other thing they're just they're doing their own thing because they don't have to escape no and that's what we'd normally see in yeah a time it's a real film. freebie yeah. isn't it yeah it's normally a real in, a, freebie. in a time loop film the whole point is someone is trying to, to escape. escape whereas in this film the only people trying to escape are either non-named characters or at least characters that mm. are named but not the main characters. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I get you. Like, I think that shitty Carl sets up rules. He gives us this big download of like, here's how mm-hmm. everything's working. Those rules aren't gone against. And every time we see a new pod, we, I think we see four in total. Mm-hmm. But however, well, I, many... I think we see all five. Do we? Yeah, we see, we've got Carl. We've got the 1900s man. We've got the caravan, although we don't really know what goes on. Oh, with that I forgot one. the caravan. Yeah, the caravan I don't know what's going happens. on there. So, yeah. Well, it's just I, the mountain lion bit, do, isn't it? Yeah, that's basically. The, that's the, and then Arcadia and uh, yeah. uh, Junkie Chris. Yeah. yeah. So we see the five pods. All of the rules are held up. Everything Carl told us stands true. There's no point in the movie where it's like, ah, they said this, then how does that work? Or what's this? They present rules and they follow them and it's all good. And the idea they present is fine, but it, it feels a bit weak source to me. And the reason it feels weak source to me is because that's it's one ingredient in a in a big old stew it is. of cult stuff and and mm. horror stuff and drama stuff and family stuff and all this uh, the, the stuff. film is great i mean i really enjoyed watching the film mm. i really didn't i i like the film i'll watch it again i'll recommend it to people but i even if Not i gave a time it time travel film. yeah even if i gave it an no. eight out of ten as a film i couldn't give it that as a time travel film i know yeah i i i, I agree with you very much it, it didn't it didn't satiate me my what time you were looking stomach. for yeah yeah yeah. I mean, I can't. I have. I completely agree with you. And at the same time, I feel like it is doing something different with time loops that we haven't seen. But that's because of the situation it's in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's, the, it's not a time travel film, but it's a great film with it's great, a great time film loops that in. uses yeah, time totally. loops in a way that we've not seen before. I would it's, love them to run with that idea. Absolutely, I'd, even I'd have more. loved to see more if they'd show me more bubbles that were like done in weird ways, and you know, other weird things were happening. More nature, I'd like to see kind of like more nature things happening in it and stuff. And but you're right, it's not. It's not the focus, but it, it it works so well within this world. If Justin ever listens to this, I want him to know that I am not disparaging his film in any way. I loved his film. But as a time travel film club, we can't 
I don't think class it as a time travel film. Mm. No, yeah, I, I would agree. 100%. I think like Slipstream is more of a time travel film than this is. And Slipstream is not very much of a time travel film at all. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's it's fine margins and it's, it's gray areas and it's shifting about. But I think we're all on the same page in terms of just how much time travel there was and how much the film cared about time travel, how much it needed it, how vital it was and, and, and all that kind of stuff. With that in mind, we do have a ranking in place for all of the films we've covered so far this season. That ranking in ascending order is Mega Time Squad in sixth place, Slipstream in fifth place, Time Cop in fourth, Project Almanac in third, A Day in second, and The Time Machine at top spot. So my question to you guys is, where do you think it should fall within that ranking? I would like to go right in here and say that I think we're all on the same page that there is definitely a ceiling for this bad boy. Yeah. But my gut was telling me after thinking about sort of like the way that they, the the, the limited amount of time travel they did give us and, and the solidity of it, I can see a world in, I, I can I can see this going above Mega Time Squad. It helps that both are mystical because you have yeah. mystical bracelet and mystical demon and there's not much explanation of either particularly. I don't mind, you know, we talked about in a day the fact that it's not scientific as much as it is like a magical thing. But wh- whether it's scientific or magical, you can, you are still then, it's upon you to give me a bit of explanation, make me feel like the thing is justified and deserved. And I found in this movie, much like in Mega Time Squad, just saying like, oh, well, the, the bracelet is just doing it and I, I'm not going to ask how. Yeah, there's a there's a demon doing it. Granted, I didn't know all of the backstory of the the H.P. Lovecraft and the fact that it's a far... Astatoth? No, it's not Astatoth. That's a Gundam. What was he called? Yog-Sothoth. Yog-Sothoth. Astatoth. Astatoth. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So... Yogg-Sothoth, I didn't know that it's far more of an established thing and, and the circles and the timeness of it. So it's very much like there is a something you can point to as, no, that is specifically what's going on. And I do appreciate that from a folklore and a, and a kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It felt to me a little bit, in terms of the magical explanation for it, I appreciate it, even though I denigrated it at the time. I think I appreciate the spirit of Haru a bit more than this because it was a bit more embedded in the story, what happened to that kid, where that kid is now, what that kid is doing now and who he's doing it to, as opposed to the tug-of-war demon who just kind of is just a demon that needs satiating. I got a Lovecraft one, but whether I got a Lovecraft one or just one off, you know, one from Lidl, it's just a, uh, it's, you know, it's just a demon <laughs> yeah. that I need doing bad things. The, the point right now really is these brothers. So I would put it definitely under spirit of Haru and maybe a little bit over bracelet in terms of like magicness, that kind of thing. So what I'm trying to get at is I'm happy for it to go above Mega Time Squad. What do you think about Slipstream? So my thoughts are that Slipstream's time travel starts earlier and is constant. And is time travel. And is time travel. Yeah. And they did that whole thing with the cellular towers. Whenever I want to give Slipstream a little bonus in my head and be like, remember the good, Scott. Don't remember Samwise. I remember the cellular towers and the fact that that has genuine, like, scientific merit. I'm going to come straight in. I think it's it's between Slipstream and Mega Time Squad. I think, unfortunately, I agree. Like, if I had to just go by which was the better film, obviously this outstrips those by miles. But it's... It can't, unfortunately, and I think it has to go below Slipstream. It definitely, it definitely sounds sacrilege, really. But <laughs> it can't be any higher than Slipstream. It can't be, no, because no. you're getting towards Time Cop, which we know is is a good middle ground. This is all about time travel. This film is not all about time travel. 
it's not really about time travel. It's just about how the time loops are used to progress the plot. And even Mega Time Squad is more about time travel than this film. It is. But because Mega Time Squad is just a little loose, whereas this film is yeah. not loose. Those guys knew oh, what they time. wanted to do yeah. and they executed it. If this wasn't Time Travel Film Club and this was... If this was films with time travel in them film club, yeah. top spot. If all that happened is that they were stuck in one of the loops, say they were in the greater loop for... 10 years and that was why they ended up back in the cult because 10 years had passed and the point was that they were rediscovering how they'd got stuck in that loop which some people online have suggested the fact that they went back 10 years later maybe they are stuck in the loop but I think Mm. he has come out Justin has come out and said that is nah that's a little bollocks mate oh thank god Um, (laughs) but either way if that had been a greater part of the story if it had been oh no the point is that they end up coming back to this cult they realise what's happened and they're trying to escape it it would have then become a time travel film and it would have been third, mm. you know? Agreed. Scott, you're the only one who hasn't confirmed that that's the place you'd put it in. I No, I'm very much in agreement. Okay. I'm so we're all in agreement, agreement here. I can like I can see a world where it goes above Slipstream genuinely, never a, a, a way in which it was higher. Again, it might move. It, might, it, well, may, know, it may well move later where, on, but, um, but it's, it's just, it's it's interesting because it's only, it's only falling down because of amount of time travel, not because of a, quality of time travel i mean i think it's only where it is and it's not at the bottom because it's an interesting use of the time loop it's an interesting idea that's the only thing about it really that puts it not at the bottom place yet and i hang my hat on what you said james about the fact that it does you just feel like in a time loop film or in a film that has time loops well you know the people i'm watching should be engaged with the loops as opposed to just tourists walking around them seeing other people yeah who you know we don't get any payoff for whatsoever they're all just going to continue looping and that's that fine no problem at all Chucked a demon in there as well. Some stuff about relationships with your brother. Yeah. You made a nice indie film. I would have shaved maybe 20 minutes off of it as mm. well, just because there's some some pauses and some moodiness and whatever. But I like what you did. I like that it was filmed. I will check out Synchronic. I may well check out, what was the other one? The Revolution? The Resolution? Res- resolution. Resolution. Spring. And then, I think I'm, I think yeah, I'm going to watch spring. them all now. Yeah. So I Why not? Watch the trailer for Spring. It looked very interesting. So yeah. like, you know. So it's our new number six it film, is indeed, I believe. Yeah. You mentioned, Scott, that the Endless were the people who were in the loop. Which I only get in the last shot, to be fair. Yeah, Yeah. which I think means it's not necessarily the best possible name. So it's okay. I mean, the Endless is fine. The the Endless are a big thing in DC Sandman universe. Uh, Oh, yeah. Death of the Endless and Dreaming of the Endless. Exactly, yes. And I found some... Genuinely, I I know a person who thought this was a DC movie just from (laughs) title alone because they thought, well, it's so synonymous with DC and things. Mm. Granted, not a lot of people know that. There's also a part of the Lovecraft mythos about how these things don't die the gods just dream so they do genuinely be the dream of the endless which is interesting i think that like you could judge it up a bit because the endless is a bit vanilla i think like i like sect siblings a lot sect siblings yeah siblings you can't because uh, people will get the wrong idea red yeah. flower boys as well uh, just uh you know mm-hmm. red flower the red flower cult you know just to mix mm. it up a bit um I've got. I, I like culty loops. I like culty loops culty because loops. it just makes it, it's loops. fun to say. It's fun. It describes it, the film. Well, describes the film. There are a lot of culty loops. If you're going to call it culty loops, then I'd like to sort of meal it as like a really shit American breakfast cereal. <laughs> oh, a cereal. Oh, so like, culty loops. So like, so like, yeah, like like Fruit Loops. Yeah, like oh, Fruit Loops. <laughs> yeah, it's Fruit Loops. It's Fruit Loops in whole milk because the rest of the film's quite substantial but the loops are just floating about in too much milk that's oh, what and i think i think fruit loops say on the packet artificially, artificially colored yeah artificially colored. And artificially <laughs> yeah the, these time loops have been artificial artificially time included films, yeah so it is yeah an artificial time travel nice. film uh, floating in like double cream double cream we, we, <laughs> we all we all love cereal oh, but we can yeah. also all agree 
that is not a meal. You cannot have cereal no, as a meal. I don't base my day around cereal. If you're one of those people who says, oh, I had cereal for dinner, you didn't. You ate some cereal. You didn't, you didn't have dinner. You just ate some cereal. You just skipped a yeah. meal. And we didn't just watch a time travel film, but it's still a good time. Like cereal is still yeah. a very good time and there's a lot to take away from it. Yeah. It's very enjoyable. But we've just had to rank it low nutritionally, which is uh, Fruity Loops. Which is perfect. What yeah. a great, yeah. excellent well choice. Done, yeah, well nice. Done. That's worked well. And that brings us to the end of a really enjoyable chat. My God, I have enjoy- I was so bit of bit of like umming and ahhing because of the movie's a bit weird, and I wondered like how much time travel is there for us to chat about. But so enjoyable to like get it all out there, and and genuinely an enjoyable film that, as as you guys yeah. said, very recommendable. Something that I'm sure our listeners will enjoy listening to, and almost like a little not holiday from time travel, but just uh, uh, an example or a refresher on how you don't you, sometimes you don't have to be mired in time travel to still come away with a good time and at least a little bit of a novel idea so yeah. so number six culty loops well done guys <laughs> um until next time i think that brings us to the end And that brings to a close another episode of time travel film club thank you very much dear listener for tuning in if you'd like to share TTFC with your brother or charismatic cult leader, you can find us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, we would be hugely grateful for a rating and review. And if you'd like to get in touch with us for any ratings, reviews, suggestions, we would love to hear from you. Please email timetravelfilmclub at gmail.com. The next film we'll be watching is one of mine. I'm very happy to announce we will be heading over to Australia once more with 2021 rom-com Long Story Short, currently available for rent on Amazon. Until then, love from the past, see you in the future.